Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to the Cards Charge. I'm John Quayle. I'm Matt Croger. And I am Jeremy Duvall. Welcome! I know, I am so excited today. We've been really trying to get all these army reviews outright, Matt, with the new Clash book. And I know this is an army very close to all three of our hearts is uh, Basalia Trademark. Uh, I'm really excited to be doing this army review today with Matt and with John. I know, Matt, was this one of your first Kings of War armies, Basalia? Or where where did you first get this army in your Kings of War journey? I've had it for quite a few years. I think originally inspiring me was was a model range this was before i pushed more towards trying to use mandic models as much as possible i've been playing it for four or five years so i don't think it was my first but but it was it was one of my first to start building um post using armies from from other games it was an easy an army that i found easy to fall in love with yeah what about you guys have you been playing it for a i know jeremy you've been playing it for a long long time what, what about you john Oh, it, I think it's the same for me. It was the, the first Mantic army I did after playing other miniatures with other miniatures. Uh, I was an Empire of Dust player before coming over to Basilia. Um, but I think it was, I mean, it, you know, it's one of the, f- uh, the first armies to really be fleshed out in terms of miniatures, wasn't it? It was, you, you can get most things, not everything, but you can get most things. So it gave you a bit more freedom in exactly what you could build Whereas I think at the same time, unless you were taking undead, it was a little bit trickier to to kind of make a fully mantic army. Yeah, this uh, it was my first faction post getting into the game. So when I first got into Kings of War twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen, you know, right after the summer of Sigmar, when I was you know everyone was looking for like uh, you know what is going to be the successor of Rank and Flank. I found Kings of War, and the first army I did in Kings of War was Undead. And that was very much a, I have no idea how to play this game. I have no concept of how it works. I'm just going to start picking random models and painting them. And Basalia really was my first, okay, I'm going to start a faction. I'm going to think about the multi-basing. I'm going to think about how the army is going to work within the game system. So even though it was like my second army, it really feels like it's like, I had my high school fling with Undead, and this was like my freshman year of college girlfriend, you know, where things are starting to get a little bit more real. And that's how I felt Basalia was, was, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, a real entry into trying to do a cohesive army project. And I played them through all of second edition into third edition. I took them to Masters. I took... Uh, Jarvis Undead to Masters with Basalian allies. I took full Basalia to Masters. So I played the army up and down uh, in, in a lot of tournaments. So I've had a, a fair amount of experience with them. And, you know, my academic background, I have a master's degree from in Mediterranean history. So sort of that, as we will talk about in the background section, the sort of Eastern Roman Empire, Greek, Mediterranean vibe 
And uh, all the fluff and flavor of Basalia really drew me to that army. I don't know if you guys can speak to that. Was that sort of the the so good they're bad or uh, you know the the knightly sisterhood orders or uh, how did did the fluff inspire you to want to play Basalia at all? I mean, for me, it, it, not so much of a thing. I mean, you, know, you talk about having a master's degrees in uh, in, in Mediterranean mythology etc but it, for us I, uh, well for me at least it was because they had angels with wings with big fiery swords and that kind of like stood out for me i mean i think at that time I, we only just got age of sigmar as well hadn't we and you only just started to see their kind of angelic take on on things up until that point in time you really couldn't get maybe an angelic style army the same kind of way you know the that kind of like vision hadn't been created so much yeah, I think for me it's a it's a whole mix. It's just this um, it's this army that I think spoke to me on a number of levels. And I was having a think about this and kind of what is it? And I think some of it is that that kind of Peloponnesian Greekish kind of influence, Jeremy. I mean, interestingly, I've always loved ancient history. I almost dropped out of my health degree when I was studying it to go and do classics, but also uh, just before we went on air, we're talking about these you know strong overtones of of religion in the background too and and coming from a i mean not being religious in any way at all now but like coming from that kind of irish catholic (laughs) background in australia you know is um i don't know maybe it speaks to my to my old soul on some level but i I think it's got this really interesting in in your words jeremy milieu of 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 what makes up its story and and I think it's that's that's really easy to get into and easy to tell your own story, you know, with that idea of of factions within it or or these orders. Yeah, I'm a big fan, and I know not everyone is, but I love when historical when, when fantasy elements sort of have a historical thread to them, or like part of their DNA or part of their chromosomes of a fantasy faction is something from our own past it somehow makes them feel more real or you can kind of conceptualize them They're, they don't seem so esoteric or they seem a little bit more uh, uh you can wrap your hands around them so i love that sort of vibe of you know where before basalia you had prima ventor that during the celestial war and then finally with the war against winter collapsed right so you had this whole big empire collapse and then you have Basalia, which is sort of the the part of that bigger empire that still remains, so very much speaks to the whole idea of the the Western Eastern Eastern Roman Empire. And so, right off the bat, I sort of get that conceptually, right? I kind of understand. And then you add in the fantasy elements where they have their not only do they have this relationship with their deities like Greece and Rome did, but their deities fight alongside them. You know what I mean? Like John said, they come down from this from the heavens with flaming swords and fight alongside. I mean, how cool would it have been to have been like a Greek hoplite and Ares shows up and is like fighting alongside your phalanx with you or whatever? Well, there's something incredibly cinematic about that, right? I mean, you and I were talking offline earlier about uh, you'd, you'd seen a you know a battle report for um, a new release of a game and how it provide cinematic moments which is what some people like but there's there's something really cinematic about that idea of you know <laughs> angels flying down and you get that strongly in the in the book that steps to deliverance 
you, you get that that real cinematic influence uh, of of the angels. So yeah, I, I think that's a great vibe. Yeah, and if you haven't uh, read that yet, make sure to check it out. Or there is a great audiobook version of that uh, narrated by Ray Greenlee, which I know your buddy uh, Matt, Mister Rantel, can just suck it because. Go back to that episode because Ray Greenlee, we asked him, why are you pronouncing it Basalia when it kind of should be Basilea? And he was like, well, that's what Matt Gilbert told me it's pronounced. So that's why it is Basalia trademark. Basalia. And also, I don't know. I don't know. Ben's known me for a lot of years. And I don't know how he hasn't learned by now that, you know, if you raise something as an issue, there's no more guaranteed way to keep me doing it the opposite way (laughs) than complain about it. (laughs) Well, I mean, they were commenting. I don't know if you listened to their master's review, Matt, but they were like, what's – someone had to play Croger? Why Why is he even in master's? So I know. They, were, they were giving well, you some love, I guess. I, I did. I did. It's a fair question, to be honest. <laughs> of how you made it to master's, that would be yeah, a fair yeah. thing for someone yeah, yeah. to want to inquire it, about. It's not, exactly, it's not what you exactly. know. It's who you know, isn't it? That's uh, how it works Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, and that that speaks to our Basalia credentials too. Dave Fanning said, "Why should we listen to Matt Croger's but opinion?" And uh, and and probably the answer to that is that you shouldn't. But on the, <laughs> we've been trying to get a mix of opinions on these army reviews, Jeremy, haven't we? So we've got two good yeah, players, and you and John. <laughs> well, I would say, yeah. I mean, I know John has done really well. He's performed with uh, Basilea at the very highest level. You know, including this most recent. You you played them at the most recent clash, right, John? Yeah, clash. yeah, and um, yeah. did pretty well. I mean, he got I mean, second out of one hundred and forty-eight players isn't bad. And yeah, pretty pretty amazing. Could easily could easily have taken that home, um, but uh, it's always a way with these uh, tournaments, isn't it? You you get to you've got to have a bit of luck, not just a, a bit of skill, and um, it doesn't always go in your favor. I can't complain, but. <laughs> it could easily have been a top, a, you know, a top finish in the biggest tournament so far, as Steve Hildry would say. Yeah, and because I, I think it was it was only on tournament points that you lost out, right? You were, it was same amount of wins as the no, winner. No, no, I, so. I, I did get a loss, but because I'd got, uh, um, I got a perfect score day one, so I had seventy five out of seventy five. I was rocking into day two, you know, ahead of the everybody, but then I played Tom Robinson, and it came down to a a fifty fifty roll. To turn seven. If I'd have, if we, if I'd have rolled less than a four, I'd, uh, I had been just a turn six, and I'd have won. But I rolled more than a four, so yeah, yeah, coin flip. And that's what happens, right? When you're playing against other top level players, that's what sometimes your game will come down to, right? The one or two rolls that either it goes your way or doesn't go your way because the games are so close. Yeah, and, you know, it can be small changes, small differences. If you did, you know, there was a an opportunity even in that game where. If I'd have just had a bit more time, I'd have been able to realize that if I just moved a unit an inch one way rather than an inch the other way, um, I'd have still secured a win. But it's so easy, so especially in those really tough games to make minor uh, minor mistakes. But yeah, I mean, you know, as we're going to go through all these the various units uh, and you know talk about them, it's a good army to take um, uh, in terms of competitiveness. Uh, it's really interesting you talking about like the background and you know uh, I see a lot of the um, you know this kind of Puritan kind of uh, viewpoint on the army. 
it's interesting to kind of think not just why you take it, but what kind of people end up taking these kind of armies. I was just thinking about it as you were talking about it. What, is it always the nice guys who take this army or is it there? Well, I think that's, I think that's the beauty of the background, though, because like they've they've made them like the, the true fluff of base Alia is that they're, you know, they think they're good, right? But but at the heart of it, they're actually kind of almost on that, you know, as 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 religion has often been throughout the throughout the centuries. You know, this idea of that they think they're doing the right thing and good, but you know, at, at, is what they're doing really? Good in inverted commas just, in there. Just don't the disagree with them. That's all that happened, right? That's, yeah, you know. exactly. So, so I'd say it probably it crosses many things because you can put your your own spent on it. So, I mean, well, I, I mean, think- I, I I love strong women who yell at me and throw stuff at me. So to me, it's like that's what it's repent, you know, Jeremy repent. Me, so. Exactly, and the more that they have to hurt me to do. No, I'm just kidding. This is getting really yeah. deep here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's lots to love in this army. He's he's actually just bought himself a whip for his back. But he just plays, you know, he just plays audio of similar things, you know, while he hits his back with it. Um, and paint I think more miniatures, Jeremy. You, oh, no. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> seriously, paint more. Yeah. Is it nice or ordinary blokes that play it? Well, I think this cast shows you that it's just both. You got Jeremy, who's the nice guy, and me, that's the asshole. So I think it, you know, it crosses. I just it crosses slot into people. the middle there. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can be the middle. Yeah, and uh, we also had Nick Michelonis ask us, Jeremy, why Tom isn't on the podcast. I answered this on the thread. You know, funny question um, that you asked that because I played Tom last night on UB, and yep. he was like, he was like. Yeah, so I listened to your guys, uh, and I love you, Tom. This is my impersonation of Tom. Uh, I listened to you guys, and I really loved it. And I went and I calculated, and I built a spreadsheet to calculate how many minutes of your airtime last year I was actually on. So I was on for X amount of episodes, which equates to 25.3% of countercharge airtime. I was, so we love Tom, but we can't have him on all the time. Otherwise, we'd have to make him like a, a, a contributor or a co-host or something, Matt. So. Exactly, and exactly. And look, what I, what I question is – does he have a soul worthy of Basalia? You know, he, you know, I'm, I'm not sure lawyers make it into the Pantheon. So, you know, sorry, Tom, but rational thinking is out. And, and that's it. Yeah. And also, yeah, I also like a bit of streamline in the, in the army reviews where, I mean, you can see how much we're waffling just with three of us. We'd already have blown out to an hour if we had a fourth. <laughs> but I mean, shout out to Tom. He is one of the other US players who played. Basalia, he he took him to Masters, you know, so he has played them at a high level, and he is definitely part of the um, him, Kyle Timberlake, Chris Fisher played some. There's a couple people in the U.S. who are sort of the the Basilean think tank, I guess, if you'd call it. So definitely shout out to all those guys. For sure. Um, well, Nick Brooks asks us, and I really love this question. I do it at the beginning of all my Army reviews. And let's start with you, Matt. What would be your sort of elevator pitch into why someone may want to play Basalia? So I think if if we want a gameplay point of view, if if I think there's there's multiple ways you can play this, and we'll touch we'll touch on that. Like it supports someone that has a defensive or an offensive style. So if you want if you want an army that kind of can can cross play styles, that has resilience, um, that but then can also do something like Alpha Strike well, then then this is an army for you. But if if you just want if you want to play an army that is going to allow you to lord it over Panathor as the most holiest denizens of Panathor, 
and you want to put yourself up as superior to your opponents, well, this army's for you. And what about you, John? Does uh, that sort of speak to you? What, what would be your elevator pitch? Uh, um, for me, I think if we do, if we'd be talking about second edition, I'd, I'd be talking more kind of along the lines of like, it's, you know, it's a combat army. It's elite. Um, it's got a bit of healing. Uh, but now coming into, well, 3.5 are on now, aren't we? Let's be honest. Um, we're, it's it's an elite army that can do a bit of everything. I think there's there's not any area I don't think this army you can really get involved in. Um, I guess it doesn't really have a lot of the kind of uh, shenanigans you can get with some of the other armies. Uh, it doesn't have a host of different special rules. It's kind of very simple in that respect, I feel. Um, so what you're kind of looking at, you're getting an army which is going to be relatively small compared to some of the horde armies that you see out there. It's going to pack a lot of punch. Um, you're going to have the opportunity to play in all the phases, but at the same time, it's going to be a very tricky tool to use correctly. So you can't just roll out there, throw yourself against uh, your enemy and then expect to win. <laughs> you have to have a little bit of a thought process when it comes to it. Yeah, I definitely think there's builds within uh, Basalia that is like a scalpel, not a hammer. And you need to treat it like a scalpel. I don't know. That's one of the things I've seen in playing Alpha Strike and seeing new people play Alpha Strike or play these builds is sometimes what appears to be to you like a, a gauntlet glove that you want to punch your opponent in the face with. You can't just punch right away. You got to really think about like uh, I know some. I mean, I imagine is there some games, John, when you're playing your fast base, uh, your fast list where you won't even engage until mid or late game where you're just trying to get position, wait, wait, wait. Is that sort of a lesson you had to learn in playing that play style that just because you can make a charge doesn't mean you should make a charge? Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, it's a lesson that I learn, unlearn, and then learn back again on multiple different occasions because it's too tempting, isn't it? Somebody goes, ah, oh, uh, you know, here's a, here's a unit that's in charge range. I can throw three units at it. Oh, let's do it. It's only afterwards that you think, oh, actually, that's probably not the best choice to go for. Um, I mean, if you are if you want to play something which is going to be a little bit more uh, precise and refined, and you're going to have a lot of control of what actually where the the battle's dictated, then this is a one of the best armies to do it with because I don't think there's any other army in the game that has so much speed um, available to it as the Basilians do. No, and I think that's an important point, isn't it, John? And that's why I struggle <clears throat> with the with the alpha because I have an impulsivity problem. Um, it's one of the reasons, but, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, alpha alpha strike doesn't necessarily mean early strike, right? It just means first. So it's it's about if you're playing that fast army, how do you how do you restrain yourself for long enough to the exactly the right point in the game? Because if you do it too early. Um, like you say, Jeremy, which makes it a little scalpel-like because if you go too early, it can all just fall apart. I love that of what you just said, Matt, the the difference between first and early, that Alpha Strike doesn't mean doesn't have to mean early, that Alpha Strike is you're just doing it first, right? And that's just something I've noticed in playing against some of the best players in the world is the really great Alpha Strike players sometimes won't even charge, charge until the fourth turn or fifth turn. You know, they're waiting until when they do charge, it's a devastating, there is no recovery from it. 
Because that's usually how you beat Alpha, right? You wait for them to charge and then you survive and then you counterpunch. And usually if they don't pick up pieces when they're charging you, they're very weak to the counterpunch. So I think that's definitely a nuance in the really good Alpha players is they understand that difference between Alpha being early over Alpha just being first where you dictate the charges. Basidians have developed since their first inception is it now as they can act in all phases, you also don't need to engage because you can start to chip away at your enemy early doors, um, giving you a softer target to hit when you actually do go in. So yeah, it, it definitely is the, the best players at Kings of War are the ones who, who attack at the right time, and sometimes that involves resisting it. And I would say for 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 my pitch would be similar to what you guys were saying, that if you want an army that can do a couple of different things, that has a cool background. And to me, it's like if you want to play a human army, but you want something sort of rich in the lore of Panathor or, or sort of a, a key component to the storytelling in Kings of War, uh, Basia is a great faction for that. You know, there's some great books on them. There's a, a, a lot of lore in the various rule books outside of the novels, which are pretty good. So if you're wanting sort of, I guess the kind of the, the mantic human faction, right? This is one of those, this is probably the poster child for sort of that. If you want a human faction really within this w- world. Yeah. Cause I think everything else, all the other human factions are kind of subsets of this, aren't they? And unfortunately it's always going to be a case in the, the miniature war games world is there's so many other miniatures suppliers for um you know various human factions there's very little point in in mantic almost having or investing in an, an, an another ip other than the one that they've got here i do feel you know for those people who play kingdoms of men and, and rodia but you've always got to think it's a um why would it why would you do another human faction too dissimilar to basilia because it would just make it a lot harder for Mantic to compete. Well, I've, I've, there were a number of comments too about um, why would you play this army when there's so much flavour in other human factions, and I think that was intended not necessarily as just within Parathor, but you know, flavourful model ranges and things. But I don't. I, I feel like this does stand apart. Like I, I don't. I don't think it is an overly not within fantasy wargaming too. It's almost. It's more of a historical mythological mytho- mythological trope rather than fantastical you know I, I i do think this army stands apart in in where it comes from oh yeah i think there's a lot of fluff here i mean like you said you you have this uh so good they're bad sort of take on a greco-roman idea but with phoenixes and angels and panther riders and a lion rider hero i mean if anything i think and I'm curious what you guys think about because we've been seeing a lot of great models come out recently. I think this army is just begging, begging, pleading, writing their lantern, writing their letters to Santa Ronnie. I think this army is due for a faction refresh as far as models are concerned. I think we had some great sisterhood models from the Vanguard release, but that are very difficult to find. Maybe put those on the vault. I would love to see like a sisterhood kit that can make chariots or 
make the sisterhood riders or whatever. And, and maybe that's where some of the people are wanting something a little bit more. I mean, the Alohi now are pretty old too, right? I mean, you know, they did refresh the Men at Arms plastics, which are great. Uh, the Men at Arms are a nice think, kit, I have to say. I mean, it is a nice it. kit, yeah, right? a nice kit. But I'm wondering if the faction itself is sort of prime or ripe for a model update. What do you guys think? Well, I, I think they're prime for uh, for the man- <clears throat> a bit extra of the Mantic treatment, that's for sure, uh, because I think you have got bits of kit that are good, like the Men-at-Arms, uh, the Ogre Palace Guard are great models. So I don't think, and it, it could be even if they didn't do extra plastic where you could add on with the vault. I mean, this month's vault was called... I think Basalia and Salamanders both part one. So, you know, we're due to see what comes next month. But yeah, I, I think it would be something that they could almost do as a refresh exclusively with, like you said, access to those sisterhood models and then do something in the vault with a rules refresh. Uh, I, I just think because I think I, I believe the IP is strong in this army, I think it's one that it's it, it's a little easier to step that IP up to the next level and to give it the true Mantic treatment. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think even if it was just, because if you look through the model range, right, the Menace arms are good. Naeus, he is, he's nice enough. The dragon is the Mantic dragon. I don't think there's a, too much wrong with that. Um, uh, at least you can now print Julius rather than having to have him as a, a metal miniature. I don't know if you've you guys own a Julius, but he is... Him and him and Samacris have got the weakest ankles I've ever seen. <laughs> just, just every single person I know, Rod, some kind of flying base. More, uh, more Greek mythology there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Richard. <laughs> yeah, Richard Luke comes. He has a great idea, right? Where he says, you know, why can't we get a sisterhood hard plastic sprue similar to the halfling one? that can make scouts, infantry, and the Panther Lancers out of one kit. You know, I think that's a great idea. I mean, I'm really excited to talk about Sisterhood today, but I thought the newer sculpts from Vanguard of both the Sisterhood Warriors Mm. and the Scouts are very good. It's just they're impossible to get, right? So maybe that will be, you know, uh, we'll see that in the vault because outside there's really no efficient way to buy a unit of those newer sculpts, really. Uh, Right now there is no way. So yeah, I mean, maybe even we'll just see that. a refresh of the Sisterhood Riders. I mean, I would be okay with like the uh, either either Panthers that they've released, you know, the Armored Panther or the, or just the other Panthers because they're okay. Um, but I'd you know uh, a change of riders, somebody you know, as you say, like a chariot, a Sisterhood, you know, Scout Stroke Infantry, because it, I don't think. I don't have enough experience with the actual Sisterhood infantry. Are they a particularly nice-looking miniature? The newer ones, the uh, the sculpts from Vanguard are good. Yes, are really good. Yeah, yeah. I think they have they have two or three different ones. The plastic kit are it really was a rustic kit. So before that, they were like that rustic. I'm not a big fan of it. So really, the the Vanguard on are the ones you want to get. It's just getting those. They don't. They're either in resin or that a PVC or whatever. They don't have a hard plastic of it, but they are the sculpts themselves are good. I think. Yeah, I mean, if it, I think it was just the rustic ones I'm thinking about because every time I look at those, they just look very thin and and fiddly. And which yeah, they're not great. 
but then uh, you know it, I guess uh, as long as the rules are good for them I mean I know everybody complains about the sisterhood I know maybe we'll get into that a little bit later on with all their updates etc but it's uh yeah I think if you made it in a plastic kit there could be a viable revenue stream I just don't like sometimes that they put stuff out on the on the vault I don't think it's that I mean the vault is its own thing and I, I wouldn't mind having the scouts on it but I think if they were going to do the sisters they'd be better to have it as a kit that they could sell yeah, because not everyone has access to a 3D printer, right? I think that's something we forget. We've, we've mentioned it a little bit in our year in review episode, which is when it goes to the vault, that's amazing and we love it. But not everyone 3D prints or has a buddy who 3D prints. So putting something on the vault maybe is not everything for everyone. Yeah, for sure. And I, 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 yeah, I totally agree. I I just think it's a, it, it's a way that they could do it more easily at the moment if they didn't because – I mean, we know that the the priorities, what the priorities are for the next year. So is there another way that they could try out another refresh, you know, in a simpler manner without having to do a bunch of plastic, I guess? Yeah, because, you know, that is, it is expense. You got to, whenever you're going to do how hard plastic, hips, plastic injection works for people who don't know, it's all of the investments up front to do the tooling. So you basically have to put a lot of money into the project, hoping that you're going to sell a certain amount of kits to then not only pay you back, but start getting you into profit town. So that is something when you're thinking about hard plastic, you really have to think about, is it, is it viable? But it definitely sounds like their new hard plastic provider in Europe is becoming more feasible because they're starting to do just more hard plastic in general, which is great. Yeah. I mean, the Raven Riders and butchers and the ice skin hunters it'd be interesting to see how well they how they well they've been received because i think they've been really good kits so something similar yeah the new the new impalers i think are awesome too for twilight kin that's one that's probably my favorite kit of the new twilight kin models uh the impalers are just really well put together kit cool well we're going to take a quick break and on the other side we're going to get into the basalia army review we'll be right back Hi guys, this is General Gaddafi from Singapore and you're listening to Counter Charge. And we are back. So Basalia, uh, it's a good alignment. And this is, I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are because sort of Basalia shtick in the past has been sort of the, the Iron Resolve rule, right? Where a lot of our units have Iron Resolve, which is when you uh, pass a nerve check, you get uh, you recover a point of damage. And we have the special item called the Aegis Fragment. And that essentially has, it would give an Iron Resolve plus one. But then once you use it, you, you, you use the fragment. So basically the first time you, uh, are, you decide to use it, it used to be you could choose. But now it's just whenever you use Iron Resolve, uh, you, you pop that fragment and get a, a, a health back. But now what we've seen in the army, we've seen the Aegis Fragment go to more units. Uh, what, what do we think about that? It, I, I actually, having played against the new Basilea, it, it has made a difference in some of my games is having that little bit of healing going to other units. Do we like that change, Aegis Fragments being now more universal to lots of different types of units? I think it's a good change primarily in terms of making it more of the shtick for the army and allowing you to power that up. I, I can't say that there's been heaps of units. It's been an item that I take a lot of because I usually find that I'm very tight on points in the army. And and because prior to the standard barrier changes, it was basically a one-use only, 
it, it, it's not something that I took a lot, but it is certainly something I want to dabble with now as a change with the changes to the standard bearer being able to essentially replace one per turn on a unit. Uh, so so I, I think it's a good, I certainly think it's a good thematic change. Like I think underlying that, right, the Iron Resolve is is a good way of representing that kind of divinity of the army. Yeah, I mean, you're paying, it's interesting when you look at the list as a whole, we've got Iron Resolve across all the units, pretty much, not all of them. I mean, Ogres and Panthers don't get it, which I suppose they're not pious enough. But it, uh, having it as the upgrade, because upgrades are really tricky, aren't they, on army? Some of them are good. Some of them aren't so good. I think the this is one of the good ones. And having it access to more units kind of makes sense as well. It, it didn't make sense that you could get an Aegis Fragment for men at arms, but Sisterhood couldn't get one. Um, so that, that I think, is a, a beneficial change. And um, the fact that it takes you... You don't have to worry about having a token, remembering it, because let's be honest, you know, sometimes, or, you know, turn four, you go, oh, yeah, I've got an Aegis Fragment. Oh, could I use that? <laughs> it's usually too late anyway. Uh, I suppose you may forget it anyway, now that you don't have a token. I didn't think about that. I, I, I've played with it a few times now, and it, it is good on certain units. On smaller units, maybe not so much. It is interesting sometimes when your opponent just throws away, like, seven shots that he has on a unit of Scorch Wings that puts one point of damage on. You feel really aggrieved that that means you have to use it, but that's few and far between in reality. And how many times have you been one away from being wavered or one away from being killed? So even though it's only healing you an extra point of damage, I think it does matter, especially when it's spread throughout a whole army. So let's say you have five or six units with Aegis Fragments now where you still only have two. That's three more units that are going to heal an extra point. So that's like a free, uh, uh, a heal six basically being casted or, or however you want to do, however you want to parse out that math. I think over the aggregate of an army, it does make a difference. A hundred percent. And it's very easy when you're using it all the time to forget it, it, how impactful it is. And when you go to other armies and you go, oh yeah, they're carrying quite a lot of damage now. Um, whereas with Basilians, it means you just have that, maybe a little bit more oomph left in the tank by the time you actually get to the, uh, the opposing lines. And don't forget to, you know, always point out to your opponent that I'm just going to take this point of damage off, you know, because it really, after a while, will wind them up um, to a certain extent. It does to my opponents, at least. I, I, I was going to point that out, John. It's a great way to demoralise your opponents, isn't it? <laughs> Particularly if oh, they've yeah. only got something like plink shooting, you know. Oh, sorry, that wound, it's no good here. It's... <laughs> It also making them roll the nerve. Sorry. Yeah, chip shooting against uh, base alia is like really frustrating because it's like, oh, I've done eight damage across seven units. Okay, well, all of that damage is gone. Come, you know, aura healing aura or whatever it is. It's it's a tough army to chip shoot against. That's for sure. So we have three sort of choices in our, I don't know, basic infantry slot. Right, we have men and armed swordsmen. We have spearmen, and then we have the paladin and foot guard. Matt, why don't you take us through sort of the first of those three options, the men at arms swordsmen? So, so with the swordsmen, these are, I guess, basically what acts as effectively the base stat line. And so these guys come in troop, regiment, and horde options uh, with one, three, and four unit strength, 10, 12, and 25 attacks, nerve, 9, 11. 
13, 15, 2022, uh, and then points are 70, 105, and 175. In, and they are speed five, melee four, no range, defense four, with the special rules, iron resolve. And in Clash of Kings, they've got the option of taking the Aegis Fragment for five points. You can upgrade them with Veteran Command, increasing the unit's waiver and route values by one for an extra five, 10 or 15 points. Yeah, so that's that's essentially the base stat line. Uh, I mean, for me, in my list building style, I've always favoured something like Spears uh, over over swords, um, which I think is going to be a little bit meta dependent. Uh, and now that spears have got cheaper as well. And so the, the main, I might just touch on the main difference there. So with the spear difference, all you change basically is the points of five, 10 and 15 more, and they gain phalanx uh, and they also gain the Aegis fragment. So I, I think getting a few more attacks without much else changing has always been the preference for me, unless I'm really tight on points uh, what do you reckon, John? I, I I really struggle to take men at arms in a lot of lists for various reasons. One, if I'm going alpha strike, if I'm going really fast, it's um, I would take them, but mainly only to make unlock something. If I wanted to get like a hero or a or a unit, it's a cheaper unlock. Um, Decide that they, they they don't do a lot for me. They just end up being something your your opponent can focus on. And then when I'm taking like more of a kind of infantry based army, they fall in this kind of weird. Um, they're good, but they're not good enough to be like say like a mainstay unit. They're not something you would put in front of your opponent and say, "Go and charge it. It's going to hurt you on the way back." As much um, as say some of the alternatives, um, it, it you we've got this. Um, I feel at least we have like a, a small issue where like kind of infantry, this kind of mid-range infantry where they're not too bad and they're not too good, really find struggle to find homes in lots of people's lists or at least, you know, um, some of the more uh, competitive lists. Yeah, I think that's always been an issue, right? In, in, in uh, especially infantry in our list in that, well, why would I take this if I could take that? Or there's a lot of stuff like internal competition in units, especially around that infantry. And I think that was always the sort of thinking around taking foot guard versus sisterhood. And we'll talk about sisterhood in a second, but paladin foot guard, you can have them in a trooper regiment, uh, either a hundred or a one fifty, and they are 12, uh, 10 or 12 attacks hit on threes and defense five, right? So there are a little bit buffer, more elite, I guess, infantry choice. And you can't upgrade one of them to be a defenders, which then they get a elite aura, which used to be good. I don't think that's as powerful now that you can get elite from fighting alongside Elohi. And we'll talk about that when we get to Elohi. But I see what you mean is there's always sort of been kind of like an internal balance issue, maybe, or an internal struggle with what type of infantry you can take. I do think... And I'm curious what you guys think about it in in regards to this sort of clash meta overall. I think the reduction in phalanx does make the spearmen a, a much more desirable choice. A horde of spearmen at 190, which at 205, if you want to make them 21, 23, with how much 
uh, fly there is in the game, how much, th- you know, with Thunderous Charge. If you're looking for a horde of infantry and maybe something to go alongside the Sisterhood, or maybe you're worried you're, you're playing against a high shooty and the Sisterhood low defense scares you. I don't know. I, I think there's a place for the Spearmen. Yeah, I think you make a good point, Jeremy, about the, the the fly with spears. I mean, you hear a lot of people say, oh, don't bother with phalanx because there's not a lot of cav around, but there's plenty of fly, uh, So, which is why I've, I've always liked spears in the list. And I think all these troop options did suffer a bit more with as much as we wanted Alohi regular by Alohi becoming regular because you don't need three unlocks from a from a horde which speaks back to the unlocking system because we're only really playing most lists are only playing in the in the hero and monster slots so you don't you don't really need hordes of infantry to unlock but but I think if you're going the infantry route I I certainly think the spears are the the preferential option and and like you say Jeremy with the paladin defenders the problem with their elite aura is it's only on other paladins and and now that the Alohi, any combat they're in with anything that has the human keyword getting elite, elite makes that aura. Less, it lessens less, it, right, a little bit. Yeah, it takes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. for sure. And so I think even before you really had to be going a, a paladin heavy route to get really good benefit from it, although giving elite to yourself for the price is pretty good anyway, I, I still think the true benefit was going a bit bit more paladin heavy. Yeah, I think, I think you're right with the Alohi change it's such a t- long time ago now isn't it yeah who remembers when they were mm. irregular I, I guess it's um i think about men at arms and i you know i look at the spearmen and I look at um i look at the shield it, crossbows as well to a certain extent they fill a very similar kind of role although with a slight tweak to it is uh, some of it's actually the waiver mitigation is because you can choose other choices so the paladins coming with headstrong and being able to get fury, for example, on your sisterhood now, um, does really kind of it. It means you're always working harder to make them work. You know, if you took a horde of like infantry, you'd always be going, well, I, you know, they're not going to do a lot of damage. Do I then give them an item to make them do a lot of damage? But then I'm not going to be able to get any wave of mitigation. And I always just find it's that hard kind of thing to balance out, I guess, at the end of the day. And they're, they're paying for their Iron Resolve. So they're actually, I mean, when you're talking, um, they're only 190 in comparison to, say, taking like a, a, a unit of uh, spear spikes or you know, the, the goblin equivalents, which are like, what, they 140, et cetera. All right, they're hitting on fives, but it's, it's a big, there's a big vast difference between it and they almost feel this very similar role. What I would love to see, and I know you touched on it, Matt, in your rewriting Panathor, I think the Met in Arms is a really good place where they can maybe add some flavor, whether it's orders or uh, legion. Like this Met in Arms is part of the 13th legion, and that gets them an X upgrade. Are there 14th legion, which are more scout-based Men in Arms or whatever? I think mm-hmm. there is a spot in in this sort of core infantry where a little maybe a little rules design refresh would make make this part of the list a little more interesting yeah i I think playing into the almost that feudalistic style aspect right of the the different you know different classes that men at arms being almost like what you see in the in the valane equivalents uh in in other armies uh maybe going a bit cheaper 
and and buffing. But I think I think all the foot options, unfortunately, in the quest to make things like sisters and Alohi and whatever better over time, they've just been a little bit left behind. But what about the CS1 Def 4 option on the Paladins? Have you guys ever taken that? I've I've dabbled with it a couple of times. I think it's particularly useful in smaller point games. We had a question about ambush, and I think Paladins, because you get less shooting in, say, in ambush games, that, that any crushing you can bring to the table natively can be quite good. And I've, I've dabbled, even in bigger point games, with troops with crushing one, playing them as a second line, uh, given that they hit on threes. Uh, what about you guys? Have you ever, have you ever dabbled with the CS1 option in the foot guard? Yeah, I played them as in kind of the old style where you have a unit, a regiment or a horde, and then you have two troops of paladin foot guards on the flanks. You know what I mean? That the idea is you charge the main unit and then they come in on the side. In metas where I'm not facing a lot of counter shooting, I found those to be really good. Because when you're thinking about a, a paladin foot guard troop in the side is 20 attacks on threes with crushing one. That is like good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is really good. So I think it can be good based on what is your what is the environment that you're playing in. I think there is an option there for that for that unit if you want to have like a flank come in from the flank or maybe a second line or but I think it really would depend on what you're playing against. I, I think it matters on how you want to play, I guess, in the day, doesn't it? If you want to play with like a, a a solid battle line of infantry, yeah. I mean, the paladins do work well as as a kind of support unit to that, either to another, you know, a, a regiment of paladins, or to like a, a horde, because then you can counter attack with them. Because what you know, you because of their speed five, they're going to struggle to get in uh, to most combats as a kind of first strike, unless you're somehow dragging them towards you. Um, so you want to do that by giving them, you know, choice targets to go after, or making it you're forcing the issue with a a bit more of a defensive force. So yeah, I mean, they have their place. I haven't uh, I haven't used them a lot. When I do use them, I tend to use like a single unit of paladins, and when I do that, I'll tend to have it as uh, as more of a kind of roadblocks. So I'll go for the defense five options because I always find if you have it a defense four by themselves, they get hit by something and take a load of damage, and then never really do anything because. With 12 attacks in the front, they're not going to do a huge amount of damage on the counter, even with the headstrong. Um, I'd, I'd, you know, uh, we've got a player in the UK, uh, Richard Luke, who who's used Basilians um, for probably two years now, and he he tends to use that kind of two unit combo, where you have one with the with the upgrade and another unit just behind it, and they work really well as. A, because um, even if you charge one in the front, they can both combo charge back if he's got some Bane Chant support. That's a lot of attacks all hitting with Elite. Um, so that's that's maybe a nice combo to take with him if you want to go down the Paladin route. And I played them in the regiment size with the Orb of Towering Presence before if I just want one regiment to sit on an objective or whatever, kind that, of like feel that role of a... I hate that uh meaning you don't like it uh as in uh, i'm always the one who gets caught out it? by it i'm always the one who okay. goes yeah, i've worked it all out and then goes me, no i've got the orb bog off it's one of those below the radar items that i think we've talked about it on scrying gems episodes before that when you see a list that has it you're like oh, okay this guy knows something because when you think about it for 160 points you can get a defense 5 15 17 unit that has four unit strength 
And that's that's pretty good too. Think about it on a dragon. You go up to unit strength three, so you can compete. Three. You yeah. compete against uh, uh, some of the, you know, some people tend to do that, don't they? They put like a unit of regiment of zombies and go, ha, 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 you can't get to it. Um, uh, you, you can not only beat it, but overtake it. And, you know, I mean, it, it, unit strength is one of those, it's only really a, a apparent in, an, in maybe a quarter of the missions with the, when it's objective-based, um, but it still has it still has its place, doesn't it? And I think in base alia, especially with all our heal, iron resolve, and some of our fearless, I think the look in your list. I think this is a good list for that item specifically to find a home. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and on on the paladin guard, Richard Luke said, you know, will we will we ever get a horde option of paladin foot guard? I think that's I think fluff wise that's unlikely. I mean, one we don't really need it from a resilience kind of unlocking point of view as the list currently stands. But I also think it doesn't really fit with these more elite orders, does it? Yeah, I mean, I can't really imagine that there'd be enough of the elite paladins. You know, we already have a struggle trying to get our other infantry hordes into the list. If there was a opt horde option for foot guard, it's like why is there even men at arms in the list at all at that point? Yeah. This opens a very interesting call because you can get hordes in Brother Mark. Is, is it Brother Mark? It is, isn't it? I can never remember its brotherhood or Brother Mark. A, a horde. Yeah, the, the, the monster hunters. Yeah. I think they're called. You can get a, a horde in there, but they, I guess it's, you know, it's removing the fact that they have, they don't have access to sisters or Elohi. Because you think at the moment in the Basilian army, you could take sisterhood, you can take men at arms. So having another horde option. It just it would just push the men at arms almost to the backbone. You wouldn't need them at all, would you? Because that's the only thing I think where hordes really kind of stand out, and maybe troops is a bit more of a, a chaff side. But I think we've all I mean you've alluded to in past like podcasts, haven't you, Matt? That it'd be nice to get a bit more flavour in, and you never know. Maybe in the future when we're looking at different ways of unlocking, etc., that maybe instead of having you know, to unlock certain units, you have to be able to take certain characters so you can't. It's all about mixing and matching um, rather than it being a case of you've got access to everything all the time. And that's where maybe a Paladin Horde would come in where you couldn't get access to, say, Sisterhood, but you would then be able to take a Paladin Horde. Yeah, for sure. And and might come, or and something along the lines of, you know, is, is the future of the list that you... You have this more class based, so that your your men at arms go to something more goblin esque, but with this overlay of orders or something. But yeah, yeah, I think at the moment it wouldn't be a good fit in the list. So Jeremy, should we should we move on to the most debatable unit? Well, yes. one of the most debatable units <laughs> within the list, Cur Panthers. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk Sisterhood Infantry. So Sisterhood have always been sort of in this weird spot, right? Where kind of competing with Paladin Footguard, uh, not quite sure, you know, where their role is. Just to kind of remind everyone of their stats, you can get them in a troop, a regiment, or a horde for 90, 135, or 225. They're speed 5, melee 4, defense 3, but you get 12, 15, and 30 attacks. And they're 10, 12, 14, 16, and 21, 23. They also come with Crushing 1, Iron Resolve, Vicious Melee, which is nice, Wild Charge, D3. And the change for this Clash pack has been they can get the Aegis Fragment, we, you know, that we've already touched on that going to more units. 
But the big one is that they gain the Rampage 3, 5, and 10 special rule. So that means in the troop, uh, when Rampage is active, they got 15 attacks, 20 attacks in the regiment, and then a whopping, uh, don't call me a zombie legion, 40 attacks in the horde. What do we think about this change to Sisterhood? I I personally love the change. Um, I I think I'm a I'm a dissenter in general in that I I kind of like I ran liked running a horde of sisters anyway. I think there's I think a lot of people have a lot of well not hatred but dislike for the berserker style units that that hit on fours. Um, I've always found those style of units to be reasonably effective as a second line, uh, and I mean second line being difficult with these if you were taking them in the horde size which is i think where the best value was previously anyway um but it certainly took a while to get used to so i think the fact now though that you can get that extra 10 attacks on the horde buffing it to 40 uh 40 attacks against other infantry and cav i i think is just awesome i mean when i've done it and when i've played with it it hasn't been offensive i don't think i mean i'm the one using it i'm probably not the best call on that but but it's not like they've just done a ridiculous amount of hits and wounds because they are hitting on fours um unless you put the the strider item on them there's you know a lot of the time if you play on a table with decent terrain they might even be hitting on fives so yeah i i I really like the change i i do think it makes them even more viable um what do you think john I, I was I was a big advocate for sisterhood hordes before the change. I mean, don't forget we've over since third edition's been released, they've had a points decrease already because they were they were two forty five um, when they first came out, and uh, they didn't have access to fury. They've then reduced the the cost. We've then got uh, the fury aura, and now we've got this extra rampage, which I think just really pushes them over the edge. I mean, that's. You know, in a regiment, that's 21 attacks, isn't it? Is it? Oh, no, it's five, isn't it? So it's 20 attacks against um, units that are, are smaller. And it's still 15 against um, everything else. Uh, and the same goes for a horde. It, it, it's 30 attacks. You know, all right, it's only hitting on fours. Um, but I think this is where uh, the people's perception of what berserker units are and what how they actually work on the battlefield are slightly different. You're, you're only movement five with a wild charge of D3. You're not outcharging many units. I mean, there's no... Elves most of the time are going to have a good, a decent chance to, uh, to hit you with their foot troops. Lots of people take large infantry. You're talking movement six, seven anyway. Um, so it's actually really rare that you get to charge with them um, or get the first strike at least. So if you use them more as a kind of a defensive unit... It really changes how they work because I think uh, in previous editions, Basilians were very much reliant on getting to you to really to, to really be effective, get to grips with you and punch you in the face. And um, now with the more access to more shooting, more reliable shooting, they can sit back so they can just bring you onto them a little bit more. And I think that's where sisters are really are a really good option because you can then somebody charges you. Nerve 21-23 with Fury support, all of a sudden you're saying, right, well, that's actually quite a lot to get through, even you know, with some of the big alpha units. 
if you get charged by two units, it's a little bit trickier, but um, if you can manage it properly, they'll take a charge, hit you back. Plus, if you've got heal support, you've already talked about the Alohi Jeremy, you can throw them in. That's, you know, hitting on fours, elite, vicious, some extra attacks from the Alohi, and you're going, oh, that could actually, that could kill most units, let alone, um, you know, uh, some of the, uh, well, most elite units, let alone some of the, the, the pilly troops that come towards you. So I think they are in a really good place, but I do think it's a role issue rather than, and a perception issue rather than it being an issue with the unit as a whole. Although I will say the fact that they have to pay uh, for an abbess with the fury aura does mean once you go down that route, you're going to have to really double down a little bit, either in terms of other sisterhood units either the foot ones or, or some of the other alternatives to really kind of get value from that. Yeah, I think if you want to take these guys, right, you're taking them in. They're a key part of your overall list strategy. It's not just like I have I have some extra points. Let me throw some sisterhood in there. I think you're taking them because you're going to play a more mealy sit back, maybe with some scouts and some phoenixes to do enough shooting to make your opponent want to come to you. I mean, sisterhood, they – they are a great put them against a piece of terrain and then 10 to 13 inches in front of them is a no fly zone. Cause if you go in there, they're going to come out and just smash whatever comes into that area. Because when you think about it, 40 attacks on fours with crush one and vicious. And then I love pairing these guys with the Urhilohi. Urhilohi is a little easier to get into combat. It's only one model. Uh, and also it's bringing dread, right? And it's giving that elite so combo charging with an urhalohi these guys are going to kill like i can't i mean almost anything in the game when you think about it and also too that i think rampage value this clash pack has gone up because there's been a conscious effort to make infantry with the new uh standard bearers and there's some changes throughout the game that i think we're going to see a little bit more infantry whereas prior maybe Slayer was the obvious choice of the Rampage versus Slayer. But when you're thinking about the better infantry and also, too, the better Twilight Kin infantry, I think Twilight Kin have some of the best just regular infantry in the game. And what's better to kill a horde of Fleet Wardens or something than a 40 attack Sisterhood? Fours with Elite, Threes with Vicious is going to kill. It doesn't matter how much extra nerve you have. It's going to annihilate you. So I think these guys have a real place now in if you're going to build uh, infantry-focused or sort of a sit-back, maneuver-shoot, counterpunch-focused uh, Basalia army. I think these Sisterhood are now a key, a very key part of that. Yeah, and I think, like you said, John, I think a little bit of a, you know, I think it very much depends on style. I think the UK seems to roll a little bit similar similar to the, the Australian meta. We don't see as much of the offensive shooting list, so it's probably why. You know, we've been open to lower defense, lower defense options, say more than you would see it in the US. And I think you just have to take that into consideration, right? If you're bringing these guys in that sort of meta, you're going to need to have Phoenixes. You're going to have, you know, you're going to want to have a Julius, maybe, or Samarchus, sorry. You're going to want to have to, to, and then that's where I speak to John, sort of, if you're going to run these guys, they are a pivotal part of your battle plan. They aren't mm. just the, you know, I want to add in, I have a few extra hundred points, let me add in a unit. I think you need to have them be part of your overall, which is totally fine, right? So, some units are like that, are great to just drop in and others need a little bit more 
building around. I think these are one of those type units. Yeah, I mean, don't forget, as a regiment and a troop, you could you could just throw them in alongside other stuff, and you know, you're not paying a huge amount of points for potentially quite a lot. Vicious is an elite is something you can. Um, it's very easy to uh, uh, to not realize the the real impact on that is that vicious elite means you could have a bad role. You can have a bad role, and it suddenly brings you back into normality. It's very hard with those with those special rules to then actually um, have a, a bad damage output, etc., from them. And even a regiment of or a troop of sisterhood, if you tag that alongside like a, um, an Alohi regiment or a Alohi horde or Julius or something along those lines, all of a sudden you're saying, "Well, okay, I'm now going to be elite and vicious, plus all that combat potential from those." other units it, it, it can real do a, a real potential bit of damage but i tend it, it'll be a little bit harder to use because it's just not quick enough <laughs> you've got julius flies over there and you've got sisterhood running after going we believe in you <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i think like uh, max and nick both ask are they viable now and i think the question the answer to that question is they probably were worth taking before but now they really definitely are worth taking so I, I think it's only a matter of time before we see some more infantry based builds sort of come to the surface what do you yeah. guys think I, I agree but i also think now that you know we'll talk about the changes to other sisters units later um very soon but uh it's now possible i think to basically do an all sisters themed list you know with with having that infantry as more of an option as well definitely definitely um what do we think before we move on to our large infantry choices? What do we think about the Sisterhood Scouts? So they're in a regular unit. You can take them in a trooper regiment, 10 or 12 attacks, 10, 12, or 14, 16, 112, and 160. And they also can take an Aegis Fragment, which is nice on a unit like this. And they're Iron Resolve, Scout, Vicious, both melee and shooting, which is nice, right? Just basic Vicious. And they come with uh, bows with steady aim. Do we like this unit at 160? They are speed five, melee four, ranged four, but they are defense three, right? Like other sisterhood uh, regiments. What do we think about the scouts? I mean, they're, they're bargain basement clade stalkers, aren't they, at the end of the day? I mean, they're not maybe as good, um, but they do a role. Because they're irregular, it means they fit in a very different place. It doesn't allow you to say base your army around them like some people do around their glade stalkers but it's a good unit to have and i've seen some people richard luke as well we go back to he utilizes um i think he utilizes troops and regiments of those um they're good as just a, a good all-round unit you know something that can hold objectives can do it a bit of chip damage especially if you're doubling down on some of the other shooting units now available they can do a real role um but what they tend to also be is a target so it would be interesting to see if anybody's utilized them well in terms of drawing people towards them because they'll keep plinking away at you. So you have to deal with them. What do you do to counter that? Um, that would that would I, have an effect, I think. Yeah, I, I think your first point there is is my main point with the sisters, um, John, is the, is the bargain basement. I think compared to their counterparts in other lists, they're reasonably reasonably cheap and trevor hawthorne said you know will sisterhood scouts ever be regular not at that price they won't i don't think uh because it could get like i know they're def three but it could get 
reasonably abusive. And and the benefit, I think, of all the shooting options in this list is that you've got the speed options to keep to keep people off you uh, while you are plinking away. So so I don't think in the current iteration of the list we will see them regular. The, w- the way I look at them is that their main drawback is the fact that they're irregular, although that you usually have enough unlocks anyway. So I, I think a couple of units of these are pretty good to keep in, a, um, in the list, although I, I do dislike <laughs> that they're – Unit strength went back down to two, so I, I did like them more at unit strength three. But instead, in in clash, we added the vicious rule, um, and it, it now goes to vicious. It's not vicious ranged; it's just vicious in general. So even if someone gets in, you're still melee four. So uh, as long as you survive, or if you were to get off that first charge, you can still put out a little bit of damage in combat as well. Uh, what do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, I like them. I think. Uh, uh as a good addition to your list. I mean, one sixties, I mean, it's not expensive, but it's not cheap either. I do like the option of the units that can plink at you, plink at you, plink at you. And then if you give them a flank, they can come out and actually do some damage. Because when you think about it, 24 attacks on fours with vicious again, is not nothing from the regiment. So I like them. I I think they fit really well into, if you're going to play that sort of, infantry list that has uh some phoenix shooting maybe you want to take some crossbow men you know with the change to now crossbows no longer have pot shot uh, i think they do definitely have a role in a list uh putting them in terrain where they can shoot out they do have iron resolve which is good against counter shooting like they don't have stealthy or anything like that, but iron resolve is a good a counter to plank shooting. So if you start, if you want to invest shooting and shooting at them in cover, they're going to be iron resolving. So I think I, I do like it is that their units like this make it so that your opponent doesn't have an efficient way to deal with them. I think that the more inefficient choices you can make your opponent bake, you make usually the better they are in the game. So I think there's, a spot for them. I just go whenever I go to this all the sisterhood stuff. I love it, but if you want to go full mantic, that's the issue, right? It's like how do I get the models? Uh, you know, how do I find the models for them? So, uh, and I think that kind of goes back to the sisterhood infantry. I think it's a similar kind of thing. Um, it's one of the things we haven't yeah. really kind of covered is people don't choose them a lot, not because they're not particularly. And sometimes it's not just because they're not uh, necessarily how they think they're going to work or utilize them. It's because the miniatures either aren't there or aren't to the the standard that most people like. Yeah, so I mean, I feel this is a real opportunity, and I've said it uh, ad nauseum to to Kyle P and Matt Carmack, and you know, I think the sisterhood spot is a real spot where they could do some models for because when you think about not only mantic models, there aren't a lot of holy warrior female i mean i use some shield wolf miniatures in my list for sisterhood stuff but not only is there not (laughs) what you bad man yeah so not only is it isn't there uh not a lot for them are ease mantic there is it's a good spot in the overall sphere of miniature buying i think it would be a good spot for them to invest in but Mm. just my two cents Okay, we've talked a little bit about the scouts. Why don't you take us through, Matt, in more detail, the change to the men-at-arms crossbowmen? 
Uh, so like many units uh, across lists, they lost the pot shot special rule that had come in from their crossbows. So now they're, uh, they're coming troop regiment or horde sizes uh, with 1, 2, 3 unit strength, 8, 10, 20 attacks, 9, 11, 13, 15, 20, 22 at, um, nerve, points 100, 130 and 230, uh, speed 5, melee 5, range 5, defense 4, uh, their crossbows 24 inch with piercing one, and of course they have the iron resolve special rule. So, I I can't say I've used these yet. Again, uh, primarily because of well, yeah, I haven't put together the models and just they get squeezed out by other things. And shooting heavy certainly not something I tend to do. I do think that any shooting that has piercing. Uh, can just be so effective, whether it's range four or five. I mean, I think you see that in the halfling list, um, which is why I was surprised things like the trolls got piercing one as well. But again, similar to the sisters, I think my my point would be, even though that I haven't used them, is I think where they can benefit is compared to some armies where you don't have the volume of speed nine or ten that we potentially have, that perhaps with this you get more potential to actually get six rounds of shooting with them. Uh, because you've got plenty to to hold off your opponent, uh, but but to be honest, I can't say I've ever ever used them. And and it also plays into a question that Mark had about because they're going to be in the ambush box. You know, do we do we at all think they're viable? Um, John, I, I know you like the idea of these guys, whether you have or haven't used them. What are you thinking here? I mean, I, I think out of all the units. Available to Basilians, uh, this is probably the only unit that I would not take um, actively because uh, it, despite using the, losing the pot rule, losing the pot shot rule is good um, because this is a game of movement, and I've lost count how many times that you know uh, somebody's ended up in my flank. So what is the option? I may be able to still shoot them, but if I don't kill them, they're going to hit me in the flank and I'm going to die because they've got only melee five. Uh, they can't do much in return. So if somebody charges them in combat, they can't do much in return. And shooting-wise, with the 5-plus to hit, 20 shots, you know, it, it's going to do a little bit, um, but they still get the minus 1 when they move. Now, you know, we, we you, you look at things like uh, like uh, Glade Stalkers or let's go back to the, the Sisterhood Scouts. They don't have piercing, um, but they have the range. They've still got the same range. They can move without any penalty, and they hit on a 4-plus. So as soon as as soon as uh, crossbowmen move, they're going down two points of negativity against the, against Sisterhood Scouts, and it makes them really hard hard to justify, I guess. Um, what's the solution? I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, if we're going to try and differentiate them between the Scouts, is it a case where we make them slightly better to hit? And worse in combat, or do we make them slightly better in combat? So they're more of a kind of we do a bit of shooting, but we're actually not too bad. I'm not sure. It's, it's a difficult question to ask because there's a, a few units that kind of fall into this kind of uh, area, don't they? Um, I think uh, dwarves take similar kind of things with their uh, their rifles, but then they struggle because they rather take war engines or the long rifles rather than actually take the um, the iron watch themselves. Um, Time will tell. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it, it just doesn't feel quite right. Yeah, I can see why we struggle across lists with this type of unit, right? Because it, 
it'd be easy to make a significant change and then make them abusive. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the fix is because it because it's an issue that I guess transcends a number of lists. Jeremy, have you ever used crossbowmen? Yeah, I mean, I think to me the parallel to this unit that I like to look at is the halfling rifle horde because that's your other right, your other shooting horde. And I think the the halfling rifle is a really great unit. So it's 200 points as opposed to 230. But the big difference is the rifles are 18-inch piercing one steady aim, whereas the crossbows are 24-inch piercing one but no steady aim. The crossbows do get – you get an extra pip of nerve, right? You go from 1921 to 2022. You get better defense. Your defense goes up to four. But I'm wondering if the things that you get in the extra 30 points, i.e. the extra range, the extra nerve, the extra defense, would you gladly give those things up to have slightly less range or have steady aim? So it's kind of like, is spending the points for those sort of to keep you alive longer, does that really even matter? You know what I mean? Uh if they get punched, are they just going to die? Um, I wonder if making them maybe hit back on fours in combat makes them a little bit more of a risk to charge. I'm all, uh, I'm thinking kind of like, don't the like Abyssal Dwarf Blunderbuss guys hit on fours in melee? I think that could be a place to, to explore, or maybe if they're... Uh, if they're in an aura of a certain commander, like who battle drills them, they maybe they hit back better. I don't know. Just two thirty is expensive for a unit that in this game you want to be moving. I would much rather have eighteen inch piercing one steady aim than twenty four inch piercing one. You know what I mean? I'd rather have less range and be able to move and shoot with no penalty. Yeah. But maybe in the new style of list, this is going to find a place. This is one of those. In six months, I think we'll know sort of question marks but it's it's a question mark unit for me right now it also starts to hit on the men at arms side if you start to make them better combat fighters you then turn around and go well why do i why do i need to take men at arms and i can take these guys oh, that's a great point you would just end exactly. up going um i got best of both worlds uh it, it's 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 a difficult thing and it's always a very hard thing because it's all about balance and choice within the army and, and across the board and i think you've hit the nail on the head do you want a lot of the things that you've talked about, I mean, they're paying for Iron Resolve as well, um, which you don't want to take off because that's the theme of the army. So you want to kind of keep it. And and, and also we, th- we talk about men-at-arms, although they're supposed to be the, the normal bods, um, you know, thematically they're supposed to be the best equipped fighting force out there. They're supposed to be a little bit more elite than your average human, let's say. So, yeah. It's a hard balance to find. And I think it's, you know. What do you think if they had some some sort of rule like practice volley or if they don't move, they get a benefit when they shoot? I'm very much against Maybe. changing um, rules for the sake of. Um, like one unit. For the sake of one unit and a, a simple change. So, I mean, you know, if we made them more elite, oh, we get back into the issue. Why would elves only hit on a five? <laughs> Which men at arms, men at arms, crossbowmen hit on a four plus, and elves hit on a five. Some people would explode. So I think it's it's not just a Basidian issue. It's a, a, a across every army kind of issue. I think with these guys, the, the answer to that's obvious, isn't it, John? You just you just have elves ranged on three plus with elite. 
Oh, obviously, I mean, um, why aren't they piercing? It's just two? fixes everyone else. They I mean, go, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it, exactly. You then know. you just go to fours with everything else, you know, and then everyone can fight in the shade. <laughs> I do. Maybe we should have that three hundred point elven archer horde and go. There we go. Well, you can do it. You're not going to get many in your army, but go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Shall we move on to the large infantry options? Uh, I, I, I'll. I think each of these, as much as Jeremy is, as much as we like to try and clump a bunch of these together so we're not going through unit by unit, so many of these kind of deserve their own discussion points, don't they? Because they're quite varied in this list. Yeah, they're very different. And it's interesting. It's, a, it's hard. I think there's some really big themes between taking paladins over sisterhood and Elohi and it all has an impact. But it was very interesting listening to... Um, the last time you guys did a Basilian report that, you know, the big hotness was the Ogre Palace Guard. Ogre Palace Guard were that everybody has to take these. And I don't see them all the time, any, uh, at least in the UK. I, I totally agree with that, actually. I think they've really dropped off. I, I mean, I used to take a unit or two. I've, I've always built lists along the lines of I hate building lists the way everyone's writing them. Um, but, but you did used to see two all the time. But they're still you know, 18 attacks, hit on three. So they can put out some hurt, but they're not cheap. So they're, they're speed six, melee three, no range, defense five, come in regiment and hordes like all large infantry, unit strength two and three, attacks nine, 18, nerve 12, 14 and 15, 17, points 140 and 235. So you're pretty standard, you know, large infantry stat line, uh, for particularly for ogres. They have brutal crushing strength two and iron resolve. So, yeah, like I said, a pretty standard stat line. I, I wonder, John, whether these guys have become less used because of something like Alohi getting a crushing two option. So previously I think you needed a, a high, reliable crushing option, and I also wonder whether we'll see a little bit more of a rise if we can continue to see a rise in high defence dwarves. Um, I, I think these guys are solid. I, I don't. I've tried to move away from having a couple of hordes in my list and maybe just going with one. Uh, typically, I think one thing you need with them is you do generally need some waiver mitigation. So with one of the with one of the items, because you are often, particularly amongst foot options, relying on them to, to do a bit of heavy lifting. Uh, I, I think these are really a, a really good solid option, and I don't think people dislike them because they were so overpowered, but just because it led to decreased variety in lists previously. Um, what do you reckon, Jeremy? Yeah, I wonder if this is sort of a, you know, still an attractive choice, but not the hotness. I I, I think that combined arms basalians, I think, doesn't quite work as well as it may be used to or doesn't quite work as well as the more speed option. And these guys are speed six, right? So if all the rest of your army wants to be fighting forward, these guys are slowly like trugging along, trugging along, trugging along. By the time they get into combat, it's like, I'm just going to take, I'd rather just take more Elohi or, you know, uh, if I'm going to take a more infantry base, like I see these, could be a good fact, good in a more like infantry based, but I just wonder if it's one of those things that they're good. I mean, I ran two of them in my list for years, you know, and when they hit stuff, they hit really good. But like you said, one of their weaknesses is 
the waiver. So I usually will one run with Fury and one with Headstrong just to make sure because these guys do not want to get do not want to get wavered at all. So I mean, I think they're good, but I just don't know if they fit into sort of the archetype of the army which is most effective right now, which is the speed version. I just think maybe they don't quite fit into that, but maybe we'll see more of them moving forward, but I think it's more of a people who take them less or don't at all just because they're investing more in the speed aspect of the list. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but that's what makes sense to me, I guess. I think you're right. I think you're both right. I think because you can take a low he uh, who are faster, I'd actually come into a bigger question around uh, waiver mitigation and access to it. You see a lot of the top tier armies, a lot of their armies, uh, units that they take or the higher picks tend to have some form of winter mit- waiver mitigation built in. And if they don't, they then add it to them to make them more reliable. Um, the only time you don't tend to see a lot of waiver mitigation is when you've got a lot of units. So an MSU or a, or a chaff-based army, it, you don't tend to see it. And obviously a lot of our units inside Basilians are. You know, they've got access to, you know, waiver mitigations coming out of the Wazoo, apart from, say, the Men-at-Arms. Um, and I think, Matt, you're right in terms of, yes, there's a crushing two option now for a low he, but what you also pointed out earlier, that a low he were originally irregular, and now they're regular, that also probably has an impact. Um, plus also, um, one of my favourite rules, um, I can't remember, I never remember, one of my favorite rules, I can't remember the name of it. Is it Angelic Fervor? I can't remember where they, they make units elite. Divine Fervor. Divine Fervor. Mm. What's the other? Angelic is something to do with their crush too, isn't it? There you go. Um, it's a keyword. Angelic's the keyword, yeah. But yeah, so I think it's because that now tags along like uh, human options, you'll tend to find people, if you want to have maybe um, a tough, smaller unit, will go more towards, say, Paladin Knights rather than, say, Ogre Palace Guard, because you can get a similar impact, but they, they will be elite, whereas the Ogres won't. It's, it's a myriad of different options. They are, I mean, they're a really good unit. And, it's, uh, you know, as an Ogre player, if you talk to an Ogre player, they'd snatch your hand. <laughs> you say, could, uh, could I have those guys? Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah, great. There you go. Because um, uh, they fall in that right kind of, kind of price point where I think Siege Breakers are... are are good, but they're an extra 25 points more, aren't they? Um, whereas these guys fill a similar kind of role. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it's just, it, it, sometimes it's just a choice option, I guess. Yeah, and I think you just need to make sure if you are going to take them and they're perfectly acceptable and good, you just got to make sure you chaff for them. You know, they are speed six, which is okay, but at 15, 17, your opponent's going to try to, you know, charge these guys first or outspeed them. So just make sure you're you're picking some sort of tool to use to to deliver these guys. But again, I think they're perfectly fine. They just sort of stand in the shadow of me of not necessarily one single other choice, but the build types that are more popular right now just maybe don't have a a place for a speed 6 hammer. Yeah, I totally agree. And it, and it's probably a reasonable segue into the into the Alohi, which is our other <clears throat> uh, large infantry option. And uh, we had lots of questions about the Alohi uh, from from many people. Um, Max has asked whether a Def Five or CS Two option. Um, Marissa 
Udis Sean has said was giving a lower ear crush to a good idea. Um, and then we've had a number of questions around, <clears throat> you know, that the place of this in the list in terms of how they're meant to be a rare unit. But Aloha, Speed 10, Melee 3, Defence 5, uh, <clears throat> come in a regimental horde, unit strength 2 or 3, 9 and 18 attacks. They're fearless at 14 and 17, uh, at 160 and 270 points, come natively with Crushing 1, Fly, Inspiring and Iron Resolve. And then they've got the option of Celestial Fury, which can lower the defence to 4 and give Crushing 2. And then as as you were alluding to, John, the Divine Fervor special rule. So while this unit is engaged with an enemy unit, uh, friendly core units with the human keyword that are engaged with the same enemy have the elite melee special rule. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a good unit. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not convinced they're as good as some people think they are unless you really go down the Aloe heavy route. But I think it is, it's, it's a fair point in terms of the in terms of the fluff about them becoming regular, that they're, they're meant to be a reasonably rare unit. And so, like, yeah, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't mind them being more limited. In terms of Defence 5 or CS2 options, I really think it comes down to what's the role you're playing them as, right? Um, having a CS2 option that can fly and find a flank um, is good. But you know, having said, at def 4, if you don't destroy what you're sending them into, you even with the fearless seventeen, you can still you can still melt pretty easily, which probably goes back to what we said at the start about the you know picking when to throw them into combat thing without with alpha strike. Uh, I mean, I I try and have a couple in every list. I've tried them in every version. Regiments at def five for some flying, inspiring, you know, um, roadblocks as well as combo charging. Uh, and then hordes in the various option. I think I prefer my hordes with CS2 and my regiments at, at DEF5. How, how are you guys using these? Um, a bit like potatoes. I have them with every dish. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, I, I'm really, you know, uh, when, when I'm playing or building armors, I, I'm trying to look for value. And like you're saying, it's... Um, uh, They've the fact they can have a CS two option now gives them um, uh, a different use. I mean, yeah, you could take them in regiments or hordes um, with either option. I think it gives you an ability depending on the role you want them to play. I think uh, the big difference between how they used to play in version two and how they now play is because they don't have nimble. They're very less. They're a lot less flexible than. They used to be. I don't know how, uh, how you you guys have found it with the version change between the two, but they tend not to be this kind of good all round unit that can go down a flank or it can just you know hold a section of the board and just give an area deniability. Um, you have to be a little bit more careful with them, don't you? Yeah, exactly. I think the losing the nimble is a pretty big. Uh, it, it changes the. Uh, the dynamic of how this unit functions. But I mean, I think it's just, it's an all around good unit. It is uh, flavorful. It does a lot of what you want it to do. You have some different options for it. It's, it's a very good unit. It is expensive. 270 in the horde is not cheap, uh, especially if you want to give it an item. And I think in general, it's okay for armies to have good units. I mean, that's why we want to play this game 
uh, in the first spot, you want to have units in your army that, you know, kick butt. So I think you know, units that are good doesn't mean that they are too good or that they just because a unit does something really well that automatically it should be nerfed. You know what I mean? And I think Elohi is a good example of that is that they're just a really good, solid unit you can build an army around them you know you can say okay well i want to play a speed army so i'm going to start my list with three three hordes of alohi and you know julius or samacris you have a nice core of a list that you can be begin to build around i like them also too matt you bring up a good uh, uh point them in the regiments are also very good especially if you want to run um knights or you really want to try to take a uh, uh, benefit of getting the cheap uh elite for your other humans but then also at fearless dash 14 defense 5 iron resolve that's like one of those units like uh, revenant cav or uh, the thick chaff you know they're more expensive for a thick chaff but i mean they're still not uh, a gimme like you're not just going to take them off the board without investing some energy into it yeah one, so I think there's really good. Is, I think is a good point value that it's not too high, not too low. It's that kind of mid band where you don't mind losing them, but they exactly. still have some good potential. And I've seen people take mixtures like um, three. If they take three hordes, maybe two hordes with the defense five crush one, and then maybe you do one horde you take with the CS two and give them brew of strength, depending on what you're playing. So you're going to have your one real can opener, you know, crushing three. Uh, unit, but I think there's a lot of ways you can play these guys effectively. Uh, it's just like an all-around good, solid unit. What do you think about the whole thematic aspect of it? I mean, uh, we had multiple comments of it, and um, I mean, Mark Cunningham said something about unlocking from li- Living Legends. I certainly wouldn't particularly want that because I think our Living Legends are already pretty decent in terms of why you'd take it. You wouldn't want to give people more reason to just be loading up on those living legends all the time. Um, what do you guys think about that? But it's interesting to take more Alohi, you have to take more Alohi. It kind of like goes against the point of trying to reduce <laughs> them. I have to have Julius to have more Alohi. I mean, the two, two hats on my Basilian, um, the army I like to take kind of hat on, I turn around and tell you to bog off. Um, you know, I could take as many angels as I want. Shut up. Um, my uh, thematic head-on, yes, 100%. I mean, it's an issue that comes across on so many different armies uh, that people take. Nobody takes a lot of the troop options a lot of the time. You know, you don't see ogre lists going, well, I should only really take one seed breaker unit. Um, You don't take, you know, uh, uh, you don't see... Undead armies going, well, I don't need two units of Soul Reavers. I only need one. And thematically, that makes more sense. It's just not going to happen, is it? It's um, Unless the way that the, uh, the unlocking system changes, it's just it's going to be really hard to justify across. Plus, also, I think it is kind of going back to my first viewpoint. Everybody's viewpoint of their own armies, they'd like to be able to take whatever they'd like to take. And Despite the fact thematically it may not make a huge amount of sense, you could probably argue it for whatever reason. But if you were going to limit it, and a good way of doing it is saying you have to take a certain number of, you know, believers. You know, you could be your um, sisters, it could be your paladins, it could be your men at arms before you could then take some angels. You know, uh, 
uh, I guess that that works in the mythology kind of arena, doesn't it, Jeremy? You've got to have believers. That's the only reason that the gods are powerful, you know? I'm kind of more of the mind, as you mentioned in your elevator pitch, people love fiery sword angels. So I don't want to take (laughs) away people's agency to play the army that they want to play, right? Which is they want to go angels, go angels. I think what I would like like to see... could be a theme, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or I I think try to make um, what they've tried to do is try to make the infantry a little bit more good or a little bit more interesting. Because I think that if you want to take an infantry based army, you're not going to take multiple units of Alohi. Maybe you'll take a couple regiments or whatever, but you're not going to because your whole army isn't moving with the Alohi. So I don't know. To me, I don't mind the theme fluff aspect of why is there an army of these guys who are supposed to be rare? I mean, who knows? Maybe whatever, there's a yellow unicorn, whatever. And it's, you know, it's a fantasy world. You can make up whatever you want to have there be a reason, you know, you know, or it's like the, well, actually, so I don't mind that. I would love to see from like a gameplay is provide me with an avenue to make a, a, a different type of base alien army that's not all speed. And I'm wondering if they've finally got to there with some of the other changes or let me make a sisterhood army theme, you know, just give me some other viable options within the list. So I'm not, so I don't have to feel the only viable list is the Alohi speed list, you know, give me something else. I I do think, and I, I, I think Alohi work in all types. I mean, we go back to the sisterhood army, a sisterhood horde benefits a lot from one unit of Alohi, um, and it's hard to justify sometimes then taking a horde if you're taking sisterhood hordes. But a regiment of Alohi or an though he then works thematically. And I think it's one of the better rules created is where you have a unit that has a special rule that's only benefited by taking the units that make it a bit more thematic. Making it so it was a human keyword means that you then have to take human units. Admittedly, some of these human units can be paladins or knights. Um, they could also be chariot panthers or, you know... Um, it's. I think that's a very good rule, and I don't think. I think one of the problems some people do have is we have seen it both in the Australian uh, tournament scene and in the UK tournament scene. People taking entirely Alohi armies, which, again, thematically you could possibly argue, but at the same time, it's actually not the most efficient. So by doing that, they're actually losing out on one of the rules that they're paying for, essentially for that unit, which is very interesting. I, I, as I said, I, I, I like like potatoes. I tend to put them in every dish. Um, at the moment, I, t- I prefer really actually taking regiments of Alohi to then really bolster things like knights, um, uh, panther lancers, uh, infantry, that kind of thing. Because, again, I go back to the previous point, making a unit elite makes it so much more reliable, so much of a, so much of a better unit, and it really goes well to good play setting it up so that you can charge either simultaneously or you reply with uh, the Alohi unit from a different direction. Um, I got used to playing uh, in uh, last year Night Stalkers where they had soul flares that would just leap out from behind hordes of scarecrows. I find you can do a very similar thing with Alohi. They can just leap out from behind a, a horde of sisterhood or a horde of uh, men-at-arms and all of a sudden they're, you know, it's really hard to get hold of them. It's a really good little defensive position. Um, and they're really useful as a, a unit in that respect. And it's using them thematically. You know, it's not it's not a horde of angels. It's just a few of them 
helping out and striking fear into the enemy. And I agree. Since the divine fervor rule, I've I've tended towards regiments much more frequently than the hordes, for sure. And I wonder if more if more people. And we kind of mentioned it a little bit. I call it like the practical influence in army building. If you're making hordes, it's for you can get by painting four models of large large infantry, right? And there's lots of models that you can use that are really popular for flying angels. So I don't know if. Again, people lean into this style of build, both with what it does on the table, but also the ease to get it painted and the accessibility of what models you want to use. I mean, I don't know if that's an influence in, in this, because it's strange. In, in, in Basalia, this really is the only army people are playing that I've seen in, in, in the United States, really. If you play against Basalia in a tournament, you're going to be seeing this uh, a speed-heavy version. Uh, and I don't know if that's just sort of influence that being on the table more as just the the uh, logistics of getting that army on the table. Yeah, there's got to be something towards that. That's why you tend to see lots of people do ogre armies because it's a lot easier for them to get them on the tabletop than uh, others. Um, but then I suppose that we'd never have a goblin army if that was the case. And I imagine you know enough people who've painted like seven or eight hordes of goblins. I don't know how anybody does that, but they do. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the cavalry, not cavalry. So uh, cavalry, make sure I'm saying it correctly <laughs> so we don't get uh, uh, comments on the Facebook page. Uh, options to our list, one of which is one of my favorites. I love this unit. I think it's one of the best chaff pieces in our army, and then also just an all-around amazing chaff piece in general is the Gur Panthers. So they're speed 10, melee 4 up, defense 3, a 6 attacks in the troop, 12 attacks in the regiment, 9-11 or 12-14, 85 points and 130 points. But you get basically all the movement shenanigans right you get nimble to go with that speed 10 you get pathfinder to go with that speed 10 and you get vicious just to help get through that one point of damage but i love these i always run two troops of gur panthers in most of my lists uh i know some people have run regiments as well but i think that troop at 85 points at speed 10 nimble pathfinder to go with all your speed elements as a chaffing piece i think it's just a really 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 nice uh, chaff option what do you guys think yeah i totally agree i think it's basically the ultimate support piece for a fast army right it's like you said jeremy it's got all the movement options it's it's kind of prevented from being overpowered by volume of attacks um so yeah i, I, I love it it's quite quite easy to put a couple in a list yeah i never leave home without at least two units of them typically run round uh three um and I think they've got a place in any army because because of their speed. It's a little bit like the, you know the other good chaff, chaff options like uh, gargoyles. They could just dart out when you need them to do the thing you need them to do, which could be to stop the, your opponent. It could be to claim an objective. It could do lots of just stuff. I've forgotten how many times they've just ran up and taken a raise objective. You know, just come out of nowhere. Your opponent goes, "Where do they come from?" And all of a sudden, you've you know, sacrificed an 85-point unit to take an objective that your opponent wasn't really thinking about. It's it's really hard uh, to not take an army with these in. I feel a little bit naked when I don't. <laughs> and, 
And like the cab regiment base size is actually pretty big when you think about it. So these guys don't just need to be charging things the block. They can nimble move 20 and just sit in front of things and sometimes chaff uh, two or three units all at once just by blocking the space with that bait with that cab base size. And so they're just like a great blocker. They're a great redeploy. Uh, being able to start on one side of your board and then be a back line and then be like, okay, that charge over there, my alpha didn't quite get through, so I'm going to run these guys out. Or sometimes I'll sit them on an, an objective behind trees or behind a hill. And to me, 85 points, if it's going to score me an, an objective, I don't mind just leaving it in the backfield the whole game either. It's just a fantastic tool. Like I would really recommend, no matter what style list you're going to play, these are probably worth getting in the army yeah and now so our other light option is basically just adding riders so we've got the sisterhood panther lancers uh which give you a boost in two attacks so go to eight and four um so two and four attacks so go to eight and 16 uh your nerve goes up to 11 13 and 14 16 uh and you get more expensive by 30 and 45 points but you gain iron resolve thunderous charge one and Clash gave him the Aegis Fragment. Uh, and then I think we'll touch on this at the same time, so I'll just run through it. They sit in the formation where uh, they gain, um, yeah, the Panther Lancers gain Pathfinder and Aura Fury Beast Special Rule. Uh, I really like the formation thematically. I mean, they hit on fours, so while they're fast, I, I do like you know, they, they are difficult to put out a bit of hurt, but the, the real benefit is, of course, that the aura always affects yourself. So having that waiver mitigation and given that you're already likely to have a couple of troops in your list, I think makes it a formation that's not, not too difficult to take except that there's, you know, there are better options in the list. So it's certainly not the, the most powerful option. What are we thinking here, John, if we start with you? If this is the unit that kind of... Uh... Uh, especially in the formation, which it shows how much commitment you've got to that alpha. And it's, you know, it's the glass hammer kind of, you know, encapsulated <laughs> in a single unit. Um, with, the, with the changes as well, they've got, they've been moved up to Defense 4 in the new Clash book um, to, can, again, differentiate them a little bit more. And I've used these a lot and the two ways I tend to use them mostly in the formation because you say that the fury aura is great it means that they get fury pathfinder is the best thing and when you combine these with a unit of alohi put the chips with the meat you can then throw them at, um, at, uh, at units and just you know accurately take out unit at a, at a, at a go with a relatively minor investment with the upgrades you're talking Essentially, an extra 15 points per Panther Lancer Regiment, which makes them 190, which is the same as a Horde of Spearmen, I suppose, when you think about it. Um, but what you've got is a nimble speed 10 unit that goes through terrain, which has got Vicious. You can give it Elite. Um, and the kind of two differentiators I go with is either keep them very simple and just use them to boost a, a Horde of Alohi or Julius in the combat because they're doing... A lot of the work alongside them or to go really double down and go for uh, strength and sharpness onto these units so you know you're rolling threes to hit 
um, with Elite and Vicious, and you go in with, say, a Regiment of Alohi or Nur Alohi, and you can win combats by either just picking the right charges so you get some flanks in there, um, and they just allow you to just pick on people. Um, and because they're nimble, they can get out of dodge, so you can use them really effectively. But then, admittedly, they were Defence 3 before. Defence 4 does make them a little bit more survivable, but you know you can come across units which will just delete them. So they will, you know, lose out to a couple of units of Glade Stalkers every single time. If uh, you know anybody's got any mobile shooting, whether that be wizards or um, scorch wings or whatever, it ends up being same kind of thing. They're going to really struggle to have an impact. So when you do take them, you've got to be prepared to hide them, <laughs> make sure you don't throw them out in front, and keep them back for when you really need them. Um, and that kind of then affects your choices in the rest of your army. You then need a little bit more something that can then help to negate that shooting with that beast and combat character, or that ends up being like a, a fast chaff unit, say like one of the regiments of Lohi to kind of then go and take out that threat so you can then utilize these guys properly. Yeah, they're really good. I really like them. I think the defense four onto the standard lancers now means I might take them outside of the formation. Um, I don't know if Defence 4 is the best thematically way to do it, but it does make them a little bit more... It makes them different to their Panthers, really. And I think the fact that they have the Defence 4 along with the ability to take an Aegis Fragment too really helps them survive a little bit. And the aura that they get for Fury Beasts only, when you have an aura, the aura affects you too, right? So do they have Fury... The regiments. Yes, they, the they get it because, yeah, you're right. Aura affects itself. Yeah. Yeah, because they're not beasts, but they. So, uh, again, so that, that means your two Panther Lancer regiments are also getting Fury, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. It's the uh, only reason you really take it because I'll be honest, if you're right, needing yeah. to charge back with Gur Panthers, I don't know what your opponents hit with them with, but it's, you know, it sounds like it's a goblin hero or something because otherwise, most of the time, the Gur Panthers are dead. <laughs> And it's not a it's not a huge deal because he has headstrong, but Nias also has the beast keyword. So if you want, and I love Nias, if you want to have Nias running around with these guys as an inspiring slash support piece, he's gonna have his fail <laughs> failure headstrong, which happens to me all the time. Is his his waiver mitigation fail mitigation? You know, so when he fails his headstrong role, he'll have fury from the beast aura. How do they do that, though? I mean, you know, because obviously Nurse is a very, you know, strong, he's headstrong, you know, he's a very confident man. You know, he's, he's riding a lion, right? So how do the sisters come across and just GM up? I think I should just leave that to somebody's it's imagination, more, I think, actually thinking about that. Karen. It's more of, yeah, how I think about it is <laughs> the fury is his lion that he rides because the lion that he rides doesn't want to get shown up by stupid panthers <laughs> so basically if he fails his headstrong role and have fury it's like nice is at the wild west bar riding the mechanical bull he's just going as the lion goes around killing everyone nice is just holding on for dear life that's that's, that's a more far more pc it. version than i was thinking but that makes more sense <laughs> so i think yeah it, it kind of rings true like you know all the animals tend to flock around my wife they hate me but they don't mind my wife so much so maybe that's what it is just that, you know, before he realizes it, the lion just jumps back in and goes, oh, fair enough, let's go. Okay, let's talk about another uh, cab option. We have our Paladin Knights. So these guys are speed eight. They come in a troop, regiment, and horde. 
8 attacks, 16 attacks, or 32 attacks, 12, 14, 15, 17, or 22, 24, 135, 205, and 350. Uh, they have Headstrong, Iron Resolve, Thunderous Charge 2, and uh, you can get an Aegis Fragment. I don't know. I'm sort of on the fence of these. I get conceptually how they still work, you know, combine them with Alohi, and all of a sudden they have Elite. I just think Knights and Cab in general, just as a place in the game, sort of have a weird spot right now. I've sort of really soured on these guys the last few times I've taken my uh, uh, base aliens. They just don't ever do any damage, and then they are defensive, I guess, at, at 15, 17, Iron Resolve with an Aegis Fragment at Defense 5. But I've just sort of been unimpressed with them lately, but I'm hoping to hear some pearls of wisdom from you guys maybe to help me use them better but i don't know i'm sort of just kind of sour on these guys right now what do you what do you think i, I think you're right like cav without crushing i think can be more difficult to use and and only i say only in inverted commas 16 attacks um like my, my preference recently has been to take the formation over these, even though these guys hit on threes. Although what I haven't tried yet is because I've been playing the formation is is pairing them more with the with the Alohi and and seeing how that goes. I do. Uh, there, there is something within me. Maybe it's my stupidity that I'm always a sucker for a Cav horde, even though I'm terrible at using them. Like, and I love the idea of a keep that map. Know, keep keep the a, keep the Cav horde. That's yeah, what yeah. you want. Oh. Yeah, yeah. A 30, 32 attack, 350 point Cav Horde, Whoa. you know, paired paired with expensive Aloe to get get elite. <laughs> only 500 <laughs> points. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you imagine like the CS2 or um, actually, we, and if you do it as a Horde with CS2, you're, you're over 600 points. So, um, but nothing can survive it until you snake eyes it. But no, they don't. They don't typically make it into my list anymore. John, can you tell us something different uh, that that they're very usable? I use them all the time. Mm, there you go. They were in my list. I took to Clash of Kings. I took a horde of knights, um, and they were one of the best units I took. Mainly because what they do is two things really well: is that they hit, they hit really hard, and two, they survive a charge. Um, we're, you know, we'll get on further on when we get to the heroes, but we've already alluded to it. Heal is one of the things that really make the Basilians uh, unique, I think, is that you can take a bucket load of it, um, especially now with some of the changes to the, the priests, so you can really double down on the healing if you really wanted to. Um, and so they can take the hit. They can, you know, the Aegis Fragment, you're automatically, you know, if they survive, they're going to be taking two points of damage unless they're wavered. But they're headstrong, so they'll come back. Um, then with the various other support, they'll hit like a ton of bricks. You can do it in various different ways. You can give them the Brewer Strength. Brewer Strength is a very good thing to give to a horde. Um, or you can take something like the Dictator. I think there was a question, wasn't there, on whether the Dictator has got any value. Um, I do think the Night Horde is probably one of the few... The Knights are probably one of the few places where it is actually really useful to take some damage to get that vicious ability. Um, uh, so you could do one or both of those. You can use a low heat to make these guys elite. The problem is, is because they're so big, there's a horde, 
the Elohi really struggled to see what they, they're going to be charging at the same time. So <laughs> you just got a big horde of knights in the Elohi trying to look over their shoulders going, what, I can't, I can't see it. Um, so yeah, I think hordes have got a real place, but they also have, and I've, I've had, had it far too many times, is you, you can't, despite all the damage and output that they give, they don't always kill the thing they need to kill. I've lost count the number of times I've rolled like a double one um, and I've done like, you know, 20 odd points of damage onto like a, a regiment of like humans and gone, oh, well, that wasn't particularly good. Um, it's, and I'm not going to lie, it's, you know, I've got a lot of experience in, uh, in, in using them. It would take a bit of time to get used to using them, but they are, they're, they're really useful. I think the regiments are a little bit trickier. I think they come into the same area where you're, you're thinking, um, uh, they're not as quite as useful as say a low here's alpha strike and they're not quite as defensive as say like a horde of uh, men at arms or sisterhood etc i mean they're the same nerve as the foot guys but they're 50 points more but it would be worth saying is for that 50 points you do get an extra four attacks you get the thunderous charge you get the movement so they can do a role as a regiment and i think they do again combine well with the alohi uh, combination going in the dictator can also help them a little bit more they're just maybe a little bit trickier to use um, and I find that I'm probably trying at the moment to get unlocks other than heroes to try and take in a few more hordes so that I can get some of the uh, the other units into the game but I think they've got a point uh, play so they've had a point reduction in the previous Clash of Kings so they're like 205 they used to be 215 so they, they, they are a little bit better and they come with headstrong built in you know, it's they are a good unit. I think you can get more, uh, more out of them, but I think it is it's harder to use those regiments because they you've got a feeling you've got to get the charge, and it's sometimes hard to do it unhindered, and that's where it gets a bit of a struggle. I think. Yeah, and I've always run them as two regiments, and maybe that horde is the sweet spot, especially with how it works within the internal balance and internal structure of the list. I've just had so many. Uh, where the amount of resources that you're spending to make sure you get off an unhindered knight regiment charge support, supported by an Elohi to get uh, elite, that on the 16 attacks, <laughs> you roll slightly below, and next thing you know, you've spent all this time and effort to get six damage across, or seven damage across, you know. Uh, and then on the counter charge, all your stuff gets gets stripped, and then you're fighting like a wet noodle. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe the horde is the sort of the sweet spot in this, uh, you know, the, the the night horde, especially within the uh, this army, works really well. So maybe I'll try some games, taking my two regiments and try running them as a horde. Although, although I I do wonder now whether they'll be squeezed out by or the the, the def five. So what John says about resilience is is a really good point. But I wonder if we'll see a little bit of more competition with the Panther Chariots now since the change. Because uh, Panther Chariots have gone to speed nine, adding the brutal special rule as well as gaining options for Aegis Fragment. Um, and you've got all the all the typical chariot options, uh, but they're melee three, def four. So another melee three option, which is awesome at 10, 15, 20, and 25 attacks, and then varying nerve from 12 all the way up to 21 and 145 points all the way up to 260. And they still have Thunderous too, but they also get Vicious. So now you've got, you, you lose your defense, but you're getting Melee 3, still get the Thunderous 2. You're getting Speed 9, Vicious, and Brutal. What, what do you think? Do you think we'll see a bit of a squeeze on the Knights? Yeah, I think the these guys... 
I think these guys are fantastic. I and played uh, by Phalanx. Yeah, I played a couple of games against the new Sisterhood stuff, and these have been a real standout. That speed nine really does matter. The brutal really does matter. I think the Aegis fragment really matters. Um, I think the spreading of the Aegis fragment, we've touched on it. It seems like such a small change at only five points. But I think when you start to add up all these different units that now have access to Aegis fragment to basically your whole army can have access to it, that that's not a small amount of healing across that many separate units. And the fact that they're human, so you can combine them with the Alohi and things where you can make elite and vicious are just so good that at 180 points in the regiment, which is the same, um, about the same or same size as like a cab regiment, right? I think at 180, it's a really great alternative option to uh, a knight regiment. So I think in that regiment size at the 180 points, I think is a really good choice. Yeah, or, and I mean, I've seen people do this before. It's low nerve, but troop with the the nimble item, yeah. uh, not not the wine, you know, the cheap one. The skirmishes yeah. boots. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, what, what are you thinking about the chariots? Do you think we'll see less, less cav in favour of chariots, John? Um, on the tabletop, unfortunately, uh, miniatures-wise, we're limited, and that's going to be the only thing that restricts them. I think that's what's restricted them in the past to a certain extent. Um, now that they're speed nine and the Aegis Fragment and Brutal, they are damn good. I mean, uh, uh, like the, that Horde level at 225, I know they're slightly, they're slightly big as a unit, but, yeah, they can dish out a lot of pain. Um, what are those... Uh, a horde with like skirmishes, uh, not skirmisher boots, uh, Sir Jesse boots of striding, they would be a go-to because when you add in vicious, you add in the number of attacks, um, by themselves they're going to do a fair amount of damage, but with an Alohi regiment as well, they can actually really threaten quite a lot of hordes, um, which is one of the things that uh, I think uh, Basilius struggle with a little bit. They can't engage you frontally, but with a horde of chariots like that, ignoring terrain with elite and vicious, you're suddenly going, well, that's a lot of damage they can really generate. Um, so, uh, and because they're speed now, they outrange so much stuff now. You can't get into range with them with scorch wings without being shot, uh, without being charged back. They can outrange all these different cavalry options. It, it does make them really, really useful. I'm just, it's, you know, another good reason why they should have mantic chariots. We, they used to have the chariots. I think, the issue was they were an expensive model to make or a miniature to make, but if they could make them plastic, fantastic. Hey, <laughs> Yeah, that would be yeah. so great if they had like a, a basic chariot sprue and then just would release maybe the Basalian bits or the so-and-so bits or somehow do it so that, you know, they don't necessarily have to make a chariot kit for every faction, but... Yeah, I mean, this unit's so good. It pairs so well with an Abyss with the Fury Aura on a Panther to support them, give them Fury, and also, you know, dial in a couple extra attacks. Again, this is a great choice update that is just hungering, pleading for an option to get models for, because I think you would see this in a lot of lists. Yeah, well, for me, this is one of my few non, non-Mantic model armies, so I'm, I'm definitely going to... Uh, I've got the Dragon Empire guy, so I, I'm definitely, after this change, going to be breaking out some chariots for the first time. Uh, 
get get some under the table. Plus, it's, it's only four models to paint, isn't it? Or you know, three if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and so we've got a single war engine option, John. I saw you had a you had a comment on this to to someone who asked about it, which is the heavy arbalist, uh, which is essentially a bolt thrower. So all the usual bolt thrower stats of range four, def four, two attacks. Only 75 points at 10-12. Has iron resolve, so is resilient to plink shooting. Uh, gets the 48 inches, blast D3 and piercing 2, reload and shattering, which shattering is such a such a great rule. Um, I, Me personally, I used to take them more. At one point, I think that was something like 65 points, something ridiculously cheap. Yeah, um, edition. Yeah, I, yeah I, I just generally don't. Fine, I've got the points to include this. I don't think it does enough for me. I know that a lot of people are finding bolt throwers an efficient, an efficient use of an artillery slot now. But um, for me, I have always just found, even when if I've taken elf ones, you know, I still manage to miss all the time. I, I don't know. Have ever you guys ever used them? Uh, yeah, I've, I was alluding to earlier taking hordes so that I can get some extra unlocks. Um, it's. It, I think again, it's dependent on your army and depends on what you want to do. I think if you're taking two or three of them, they're very good at just putting them in front of the enemy and making your enemy think about it. So they will turn around and go, right, well, what do I do about it? Do I just let them be and then they just continually hit me with um, shots and plinking me with a bit of damage? Uh, do I engage them uh, at seventy-five points? Even two of them together, it would take a unit two turns to go through them. And they would just take a bit of time and energy out the enemy to do that. Um, and they don't get to them easily. It's going to take them at least two turns, maybe three turns, real, realistically, to get to you just because of the various like threat zones that you can put up. Um, but when you combine them with, say, the Phoenixes, possibly with Sisterhood Scouts, possibly with some Lightning Bolt Wizards, you can generate a lot of damage from shooting, a lot of damage. And these guys... What they'll do is every point, if they just get one point of damage, that's two. If they get three points of damage, that's four. That could make the difference between killing and not killing a unit. They're, they're just really useful, but it it depends on your unlocks. And unlocks are probably one of the hardest things you get, I think, with uh, Basilians is because you've got such an elite army and some of the choices that you want to make, the, the war engine slot is hard unless you're focusing to get it in. Yeah, I think they definitely have a spot now and sort of one of the archetype builds that we sort of mentioned here today that I think is room for exploration is that sort of infantry heavy shooty counter punch. You have to I shoot you enough that you have to come towards me and then my sisterhood come and smash you in the face that these fit really well in that type of list as cheap additional pressure put your opponent on a clock right is put them on a clock to where they have to move towards you they it's it's enough shooting that you they can't just sit back and not do anything so i definitely think that that's going to be a build worth exploring is that infantry leaning into a little bit of shooting with the phoenixes bolt throwers scouts uh and then just board denial with uh, infantry or even some chariots up a flank you know so I think it's going to be interesting to see how they fit into that 
style, that archetype style of list, which I think is now totally viable. So we're moving on to Titans. The next biggest slot, and if anybody knows me, Phoenixes are the jam. Ever since the previous Clash of Kings 2022, they've had a uh, a big resurgence. Stat line, uh, they are a flyer, but they're only speed 8. Melee 3+, plus, range 4+, plus, two very good stats. Defense 3+, plus, not so good. Um, they are, as of COC 24, unit strength 2, which is a big change. Uh, only three attacks in combat. Nerve 15-17 down from 16-18 in the previous edition, but still 145 points, which is a bargain. Um, on top of that, they come with all the special rules that you want. Regeneration 4+. plus. They can mitigate damage like nobody's business. Uh, fly, nimble. They do have crushing strength 1, which does have its use. Very, It's not as useful as other stuff, but it, it does have its use. And then the biggest change that's happened in the previous edition, they went from having a 10-shot fireball to now fire sparks, which are the same things that are wielded by scorch wings. So they're just daddy scorch wings. Uh, range 18, 10 attacks, steady aim. Uh, they retain the heal 5 from the previous edition, but unless you take the Ancient Phoenix, they don't have any uh, radiance of life. The Ancient Phoenix... Uh, a living legend that you can take as an upgrade reduces their defense down to two plus, which I argue has little to no effect. They do lose nimble, which is a massive difference, uh, but their regeneration goes to three plus. They gain the radiance of life and cloak of death for thirty points, which is just epic. Um, I could talk about these for days, but does anybody want to jump in? I mean, it might be it might be the best unit in the army. I think that when you look at we call them halo units, right? Units of why you want to play that faction. And for Basalia, for the longest time, it was Elohi, Elohi, Elohi. But I think the Phoenix, with especially how it is within the Basalia army, it's S tier all the way, if not the best unit in the list. It is so good. The heal, the shooting, you know, uh, taking two and then take a third one to have that radiance of life. Only taking two. Death aura. Oh, God, he's disgusting. No, I take three. <laughs> I take two regulars and one. I'm take, I'm saying you take three total. You you just take oh, the two regulars right. and then you take the one. I thought you almost were blaspheming. Um, I was gonna I was gonna say oh, get no, the whip no, out no, no, and no, self-flagellate hey. right now, please. No, no. I mean, I just I just think it's. I'm right there with you, John. I think it's an absolutely amazing unit, and I think with the with the increase to the melee slash melee slash shooting archetype, it's. It's even better now in this clash, and it already was so good. I don't know what Matt thinks, but I think it's just a fantastic unit. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I'm, I mean, I, I tend don't, I tend to not triple down. I, I do, I do like to. Um, yeah, pa- yeah. Pa- Page said, "Has the faction been propped up since the buff to the Phoenix?" I, I mean, I don't really agree with that at all. I agree that it's kind of probably as as a match for the army basically the best change that could have ever been made that phoenix getting cheaper um but but i think the the list was good prior to that yeah i i i love it and to me the difference between the phoenix i totally agree with you john the defense two doesn't really make a difference it comes down to what role are they playing in your army um i take the ancient generally if i'm happy to stick it in the middle and just be using its radiance of life and and not have it moving around but 
um, more often than not, uh, I've I've found that having nimble is it makes it makes it the better option, and and the fact that it's cheaper means it's easier to get those those multiples in, and combining that uh, with with Iron Resolve, and now with the ability to for more things to take the Aegis fragment um, and the unit strength too. It, it's just got better. The, the bump down by one in nerve at the base level from the latest clash doesn't doesn't make much of a difference. I don't think it just yeah. just makes it probably a fractionally more balanced for someone who's who's trying to take it off in one turn. But yeah, I, yeah, I depending on unless you're going for a theme themed list like for something like the sisters style list, then I just don't see why you wouldn't take one if not two. Is is it too good or three? Yeah, I think I think it's certainly become more auto, isn't it? But but when it comes to it, at the base version, it's resilient, but it's still only heal five. So I I think it does it does depend on the list it's in, right? So for example, in in salamanders, where you can pair them with all the scorch wings and things, it becomes infinitely better um, because it can chaff up things so well while it allows your other flying. Which but then that's the same for this. If you're going lowy heavy. You know, it's it's such a versatile unit. I think I, I I'd still pay an extra of probably fifteen twenty points for the base level one. Probably fifteen if it was one sixty for a normal phoenix. I'd probably still pay it. I mean, I think it's riding that edge of it's okay to have good things in an army. You know what I mean? It's okay to have things in the, that you want. I, I think taking something every time or something being an auto take doesn't necessarily mean it's too good. Sometimes it could if it's an auto take, but sometimes it, you just want to take it because it fits really well. For, this I feel is just at that razor's edge of could it be nerfed? Maybe does not nerfing it. I don't know. I'm fine with how the way it is. It just feels like a really good, solid, high end unit. Well, and I think it's thematic in the army, right? I think I think it fits the army really well. And I agree. It's it, its issue might not be that it's too good, but is some other stuff that you, maybe you want it to compete with not quite good enough. Don't know. Like you say, that's it's that it's easy to say something's too good, isn't it, Jeremy? But is it just because that the other options are lesser? I just I just feels it just feels like a really great unit that that you want to have in your army, and I just I hate to feel sometimes where just because you want to take something in your army every time that it's that means it's too good. I just don't necessarily think that's the case all the time. I think it is too good. I'll be hundred percent honest, and uh, it's a good example. So if you compare a phoenix to a regiment of sisterhood uh, scouts, you would always take the phoenix. Uh, the phoenix is cheaper. Without if they were the same points, you'd still always take the phoenix. I think because what it does is it still has better nerve. It has the same defense but it's more maneuverable. It's got regeneration. It flies, so it can go over the top of stuff. Um, it can heal if you really need it to, but it still has the same damage output, arguably, um, despite the fact that it doesn't. It has two less attacks and doesn't have Vicious because it's height six. It can see things over the top. It does have inherent weaknesses. One of its biggest weaknesses, because it's so big, it gets shot at a lot. <laughs> I've played games where, funny enough, people go, I'm going to kill that Phoenix, and it's going to be relatively easy for me to do. Um, so you do have to use them wisely. But 
at the same and saying the same breath, it is one of the beauties of Kings of War is that despite the fact that this is a very powerful unit, it still has to be used well. You can't just put a Phoenix down on the table. I think it's a good example of rules design where they've said, right, well, we don't need to have the same uh, shock value to the combat ability. So it only has three attacks, which actually means a lot of the time you don't want to engage units because you want to rather shoot them or use the heal. So it actually becomes a, a proper support unit rather than being something that you would just kind of just chuck in, oh, I've got a rear. I don't actually necessarily want to take that. Um, so I think it is, It is. I think it's a really good example of, uh, of a rule design, which isn't overly complicated. We haven't, it hasn't got a load of special rules um, or a unique special rule for it, but it works well what it's tried to achieve. I, I think it's a little bit too down one side than the other, um, but uh, I don't think it's um, miles off. It has to be said that um, my local club, we've got three gamers who do particularly well, um, Mike Smith and Rob Phipps, who we go out to tournaments and been doing it so for years. And, and last year at Clash, we realized as a team out of a possible nine Phoenixes, we took eight. Um, so that just gives you an indication of how much, how much we rated those things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I, I think, yeah, I think there's all always a, a a problem with like, well, not always a problem, but there's often if you are considering three, there's there's probably the question on whether it's too good though, right? And and I do, and like I said, I would pay a bit more, but for it, I think units unit strength two actually buffs it significantly. But yeah, what I like about the good rules design is that it has such big benefits, but it's not without significant weakness. So. Um, yeah. And I mean, we saw, I was a little surprised in, I think it was the addition change where it got such a significant points drop, or maybe it was one of the clashing clings. I was a little bit surprised that the points drop was so significant, but we did see before that when it was closer to that 180, 190, there was just no reason to take it over Samacris. It, it was so within 195. It was 195. Yeah. And it wasn't, the, the biggest differences here is it's got a ranged attack. And it's not as quick. And I think those are all good things to try and reduce the points. But I think it's just gone out the other side. I took it pre, pre-change. pre so I took it um, at 195, mostly because I was taking a low heels and I had a slot available for it. And with the heal and Radiance of Life, it still did a job. Um, but I knew I was taking a slightly poor unit to achieve a role that I could have probably got better somewhere else. Um but I, I think the thing is, is they made such a nice model. Uh, do you guys use the Mantic Phoenix? I've I've got two in my Salamanders list. Yeah, yeah, it's one of their better. Uh, uh, I think it's a beautiful model. Yeah, very cool model. Yeah, and they had made this model and nobody was taking it. So they, I think that's the reason why they went this route. Um, and I think it's it's a good attempt. I think it's just it, it, these were the things. It's such a hard thing to balance. Should we go into some of our heroes? It's only a small section. Yeah, that's one thing uh, we have a lot of options of, right? There's a lot of different heroes. Let's touch base first on our BSB and, and talk a little bit about a lot of the standard bearers in this clash have picked up like an additional special rule. So our bearer of the holy icon, your standard BSB stat-wise, uh, the big thing is that it's very inspiring, and it also has a special rule called Holder of the Holy Relics. 
In the movement phase, after this unit has completed an order, it can choose a friendly core unit with a human keyword within 12 inches and basically give them an Aegis Fragment, if possible, right? If they already have one, they don't get another one, but if they never had one and they can take it or if they've had it and used it, essentially it's a, you get an Aegis Fragment, you get an Aegis Fragment. Uh, what, what do we think about this uh, BSB with the Aegis Fragment change? Uh, I haven't I haven't used it yet. I think if you're going to double down, if you're going to go down the Aegis Fragment across your army um, approach, then uh, I think it's a reasonable option. Uh, very inspiring, of course, is is very nice. Um, and I think in this list with the Alpha, though, that you'd you'd want it you'd want it mounted. I can't, I can't see you really taking it on on foot if you were going the speed options. Yeah. I'm, I'm- I think it's one of the better thematic, um, one of the best thematic list. Uh, sorry, standard bearers that there is out there. It is. I think it doesn't necessarily have the same impact as some of the other ones, and uh, the Aegis fragment uh, is good. But you're almost then kind of having to have a unit you want to target with it. So if you were taking a horde of knights, it would actually be a good option because you'd be saying, "I want to give it to the horde of knights." Um, uh, I might not even take the Aegis Fragment to start off with, and then in the first turn I give them the Aegis Fragment, and then you may give it something like the Heal or the or a Bane Chant, so that when it, when the Knights go forward, it's it's keeping them alive, which is good. Um, but it's not one of those ones like other army standards where they affect swathes of arm. It's only really affecting one unit a turn. Um, so it's... Uh, it's good thematically, but maybe not the most effective, I think. I like it if you take a look at it at Versa Priest. So if you bear of a holy icon with Shroud of the Saint is heal three, 75 points, very inspiring, refueling an Aegis Fragment. A priest with heal three is 80 points. It's regular inspiring, doesn't have the Aegis Fragment. So I think it's a nice... If you're if you're wanting a priest or you're wanting some heal on foot or something to support your grindy infantry line or whatever, I think the icon yeah. bearer with with the shroud of the saint is a really nice choice. Five points cheaper than a priest, and you're refilling Aegis fragments. I mean, I, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. yeah. That's a that, yeah. that's that's a good point for sure. Well, and speaking of the priests, I'm thinking I might just um, combine all the magic users here, Jeremy, and we'll just talk about the differences. Um, yeah, go for it. Good idea. Because there's so many, right? We, <laughs> there's so many. All, we'll, and we'll, and it, we'll be here there's for four lots hours. Of choices. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with the magic users, we've got a wizard, a priest, uh, and a chaplain who's kind of has a bit of a com- combined role. Um, so the wizard's cheaper. You can look at him at uh, um, or them as the more offensive style, I guess, with access to lightning bolt, wind blast, and fireball. The priest is more that you know, g- going down into that resilience heal with um, heal martyr's prayer bastion, uh, and also has the cleanse special rule. So it might be more a, a meta choice and inspiring compared to the wizard. And the chaplain's kind of this mixed use that comes with heal two and cleanse, but but also has three attacks. I don't know. Prior, prior to all the changes, the priest was always the option for me because of the inspire and getting that little bit of extra heal. Uh, I can't say I've ever taken it with martyr's prayer because of the devastated special rule. 
rules is to get up to there. Um, but but it was always the inspiring. Since the changes and everything being stripped out, I think I'm more prepared to look at the the wizard, perhaps with wind blast combining with some of the fast options. But what are you guys looking at in in this spell user kind of region? Sure. Well, I mean, the war wizard with lightning bolt four is only sixty five points. That's almost like a goblin spellcaster, right? That's pretty cheap. So if you have the unlocks and you're wanting to put in shooting, that's not a bad choice to get a cheap uh, lightning bolt four. Or even you want to uh, get if you want to get some bane chant in there too. Bane chant is a wizard with bane chance fifty five points, which that's pretty cheap. It's only bane chant two, right? Or if you want to run lightning bolt and bane chant and conjuring staff, I mean you, that's that's okay too. So. I think it depends on your build and it depends on your, uh, you know, unlocks what you're wanting to spend your unlocks on. Um, I never really have used the high paladin or the chaplain very much. I know a lot of people love the combat character on a horse in lieu of chaff. You just take it as a chaff option slash throw in extra combat that sort of you know 11 13 13 15 mounted combat hero that's got the three to five attacks and that's sort of where that the high paladin and the paladin chaplain fit into so if you like that as a play style i get it i've never really used that i've always always just gone with either the priest for the extra heal or i have run builds back in the day when i would take multiple war wizards uh, and with with uh, lightning bolt and bane chant, and then just try to use that chip shooting early, and then bane chant my stuff as as I need it. Um, but I think you know, there's a case to be said for sixty five point lightning bolt four. I mean, that's not all. That's that's pretty cheap. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a similar kind of vein as as you. Is that they are. The cheap options, and uh, it depends on you know what you want to utilize in your army. A wizard with lightning bolt, two wizards with lightning bolt combined with other shootings actually does just add in that little bit of extra uh, damage. Um, I tend to use a lot of these for a heal and bane chant, so that will tend to be like the priest um, running around, uh, either healing something. I love the change now that you could take martyr's prayer, whereas beforehand martyr's prayer was a crux. You would end up. I'm going, well, I've got heal. I can't take that out. And and I have Martyr's Prayer as well. Why do I need both? Um, So it is interesting to me to be taking, say, a priest with the Shroud of the Saint and heal, and then also another one with um, uh, a Martyr's Prayer for a a bucket load of heal. Because although Phoenixes do have it, you have a temptation to shoot stuff rather than heal with them. Um, The Wizard also does give you options to the library spells, so sometimes you can use that to have like a defensive option in there where you could um, uh, 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 make them so they're always hindered. What was it? Which one's that one? I can't remember what that one is. Um, but uh, Scorched Earth, that's the one. Scorched Earth, the weakness um, spell, so that if you do, you're looking to bring the enemy in and then hit them with a weakness uh, that causes damage, you can do that. Also, you know, if you really want to go. Uh, host Shadow Beast as well. You could then look at, you know, if you're going to take a character like a, 
uh, a high paladin or an abyss, you could add in those extra few attacks to to make them good. Um, but it's hard because there's not because it's an elite army. You don't have a lot of hero slots, and despite the fact there's a lot of choice in heroes, most of the time you're finding you're going well. I actually want to take other heroes, especially scoring ones, to make up for the the lack of units that you have. Plus, also to utilize some of the best units that they're in the uh, in the army. So things like the uh, we'll get onto further, which end up scoring. Um, they may not be able to give Bane Chant, but their extra attacks kind of mitigate that. So if they're in the same combat, they're worth the same as a Bane Chant anyway. It's it, it, it's sometimes hard to justify them. I do find them useful on occasion, and sometimes it's very specific on what you want to do. So I have taken priests as backup for um, Night Horde so that you could make sure you've always got access to a Bane Chant or a heal. And the same if you want to take Sisterhood Hordes, it's good to have that as a backup so that they... They make them more useful. Yeah, I mean, I think you hear you have a plethora of choices, right? Like season to taste, mm-hmm. where if you want some fluff choices or thematic choices or whatever, I think you do have some options here. I think for me that the BSB, the bearer of the icon with Shroud, is going to replace the priest for me in, in my list just for what you're getting for less points. If you're not, if you don't want to take any of the other spells, the priest has access to. You're just you just want a, a, a an inspiring to throw in some extra heal. But I do like the the concept of the host shadow beast because we do have some of the more fighty spellcaster versions. So I think there is a place there if you want to explore host shadow beast with some of the more punchy spellcasters. Uh, Basalia has that is something to explore i mean it's no eod mummy casting host shadow beast okay which is the best host the best host shadow beaster that there is in the game Uh, i'd I'd, I'd contend that i still like taking the rift forge orcs and taking uh thonar and host shadow uh, yeah uh, host shadow beast that's really fun to do um i mean in, in the same vein i mean is it worth in in a similar role you've got people like tolivar the seer who is a another priest isn't he and and Dan or the wizard that they fill in a similar kind of role. They have their own unique abilities. I don't know if you guys have tried any of those guys either. Uh, no, sorry, I had my muted. Uh, I've tried Tolivar a little bit ah. with his sort of trying to bastion Elohi from range. Do you know what I mean? And I think he's good. I don't know. I just found him at 150 points. When I get to 150 points on a character, that's like a threshold for me when. I really got to think about a non-scoring unit that's 150 points. What is it giving me? Yeah. And that's just like a personal preference, right? I don't like to spend that many that unless it's like a Lafayette or something that's really a game defining piece. I feel that's a lot to spend on an individual. And I, th- I think personal. that's a that's a good point because yeah, uh, without any unit to support, he's not that good. Um and also, I think that Bastion first, and then you get to Bane Chant is a trap because how many times have we rolled a two dice and missed? <laughs> like, well, actually, I just wanted the Bane Chant, which is three dice, and it's it is a bit tricky to justify. And that's my problem with Bastion in general, even on other units, is because it's often only two. I just it's not reliable enough for me to bother taking yeah. or paying for, no matter how good it could be. I was just going to say, Dan the Wizard kind of fits in the other guys. He's 100 points, 105 points. And because he gets to cast all of his spells, he's actually, he's always going to be useful at something. And you can throw dice at something. Um, 
And at that kind of point, he's, he's, he's almost throwaway. You could take him for the Bane chant and everything else is a bonus. But I've just, uh, I've never got around to using him, I have to admit. He's one of those guys for me that looks amazing on paper. And I keep telling myself, oh, I got to really try him. But I just never do. But I think looking at him, as far as the value that you get, it's hard to argue that you're not going to get his his value in the game. And the fact that there's got to be the turn where you're going to be able to cast all his spells. And think about late game, when all you got to do is put a point of damage on something to cause a check. And he's just throwing out all his stuff. I mean, uh, I think he is definitely he's he's, he's going to fit in with with lots of different armies and get you value. I think it's it's that wind blast that gets me. I, I'm a big fan of wind blast as a spell. I find it hard to justify taking it a lot of the times, but it's one of those ones that wins your games. You just it's an amazing little thing. I totally agree with that on on the basis of the spell. I always want to include it, but then it gets left out. But it's such a good spell. I've I've almost fallen foul. I think I've I've played in tournaments and I played against another Basilian player. And I've talking about not taking many um, uh, ogres. He had three hordes of ogres, but he'd taken a wizard with wind blast. And at the start of the game, I noted it went. That's you know you're a brave man. I like it. You've taken that. And at the end of the game, it turned out you know we'd had. Um, you know, six objectives, and I had three, he had two, and I had a unit on one. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, there we go. I finished my movement. I had second to last turn, and the guy comes around the corner, wind blast, and I go, oh, you've got wind blast, haven't you? <laughs> it just knocks him off the table. I've never wanted something to roll a four plus <laughs> more than that point. <laughs> uh, luckily, it did, and I didn't do that mistake again. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't know if it, what do you think. It's just hard to justify individuals in Basilia. I don't know. I think it is when you've got the. I mean, that could take us into the like we could just go down a little bit into our like ogre palace card captain because 115 points. You know, you're getting a, a brutal crushing two, inspiring iron resolve, nimble option, right? Yeah. That scores. So. Um, I think I think part of the problem is that got that that palace guard option is so cheap. And then if you're wanting sisterhood, right? You're you're wanting to take a, an abyss for that fury aura. Oh yeah, T- tell us about that. You know, I think the abyss uh, is a great choice. Uh, it comes in two flavors. One I love. One I used to love that I don't care for anymore, which is I think sad. Oh. Uh, the abyss, uh, uh, and and I'm looking forward to john telling me why i'm wrong so the abyss on foot you can you can the regular individual you can it's 90 points uh speed five hits on threes defense four six attacks 12 14 crushing strength one iron resolve individual vicious and wild charge d3 you can put it on a gur panther which is really nice it loses a wild charge but it goes to uh, speed 10 and a fury aura for 15 points which I think is really why you're taking this. I mean, it's a great combat character, but I think you're either taking it on foot to support your sisterhood infantry, or if you want one on mounted to go with Abyss, or one of each. You know, if you're if you're playing a sisterhood themed army, taking multiples of these I think are are pretty good. Or you can get the Abyss on a Panther Chariot for 145 speed eight hits on threes. Defense four, six attacks, 14, 16. Crushing strength one, inspiring, iron resolve, nimble. 
Thunderous Charge 1, Vicious. It's still okay. I liked it the old version when it was Defense 5. I liked having like a little bit more of a defense. I think a defense for 14, 16 chariots, a pretty big lightning rod. I think both are probably still fine. I think I'm leaning more towards wanting to take the Fury Aura version. You can't take a Fury Aura on the one that's on the chariot. Otherwise, I think that would probably be the mounted one that you would want to take. Uh, but and maybe that's why it doesn't have Fury, because otherwise, why would you take uh, Mounted Abyss on a regular Panther? I don't know. But the Abyss itself, I think, is an important tool if you're taking Sisterhood stuff and just in general a nice little combat piece. But I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I agree with you, Jeremy, that to me it's all about the regular one. But generally mounted, I think Speed 10, 360 zone of control, reliable damage output with melee three crush one i think is where it's at and the option of fury aura and for some reason the the abyss on panther chariot has the shittest chariot in the list <laughs> she she didn't get the buffs that the other chariots got i was gonna ask so, the same question um, what's wrong with she, this yeah. chariot yeah 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 exactly she's she's she suffers from sabotage apparently that like all the all, all the other orders stick sticks in the wheels of the chariots before she goes out so that she's not speeding up or maybe or she, if she had a, a ranged um, attack or something like a sisterhood scout abyss you know or something to do it's just, yeah. i'm thinking yeah. to become an abyss nah, she, made you know, she's up to become a little bit more veteran you know and i'm thinking this is more of a kind of like a queenly chariot than it is maybe you know an aggressive war chariot. I think that's probably what it is. Or maybe life at the top makes you a bit more portly, so she's a bit heavier um, on the chariot. I'll, I'll, I'll let her know you said that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. For me, it's all about the individual option, I think. Yeah, what items do you guys take with the individual option? I, I tend to run them naked, uh, but unless I've really, got the Matt? fury option. But I think really? there's lots of – I think – yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I, I think there's lots of good item options, right? So Duelist, uh, the Slayer or Rampage items. I, I think you've got some – I think you've got good options. Um, what's the the line of sight item could be interesting. Um, uh, the uh, – yeah, because yeah, if you don't take a mounted, you could take the periscope, yeah. couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. What do you take, Jeremy? Yeah. I'll just say – I mean, the items I take with the Abess um, – I tend to try and take something with her because I think with Crush One, it, it's just not sometimes it's just not enough. Um, so she has to be doing something uh, other or uh, added extra to make it so that she's pretty really good. I mean, Blade of the Beast is just fantastic because if you think with a horde of Alohi or Judas, for example, you can throw an Abyss in to the right unit and all of a sudden it becomes six attacks that are elite and vicious at Crush Three, and you go, "Whoa, that's actually that's." You know, you're talking four or five damage very easily. That could swing combat, um, especially if you're going an alpha strike with your Alohi horde. Um, um, it's important to remember that all these combat characters do have the human keyword. So yes, they can you know benefit from that yeah. divine. I, I, I kind of going back on the previous comment I made. It's very hard to fit individuals in. Abyss is probably one of the few individuals that I would try to fit into for that reason also she's a very good counter to the shooting so she's the really good thing to think about taking on glade stalkers so i have used her a lot as well with the gnome glass shield which is just that you know for 10 points it gives her that one turn of survivability um, um or even two turns because it's really annoying for your opponent when you charge an abyss in 
is battering away at these glade stalkers. The glade stalkers hit them back and they don't roll a six. And she goes, ha ha. <laughs> and carries on beating them around the head. And, there, and there's a huge hmm. difference between that mounted speed eight character trying to shut down shooting and the mounted speed 10. That extra two inches of movement is like a massive difference. Do you do? How often does two <laughs> inches count? No. Oh, all the time. Give me two more. I, you know, I live a blessed life. Well, I was just, just going to point out, do you do that, <laughs> that horrible um, like setup where you set up sideways, knowing full well that you spin and get the extra half inch, you know? Um, that's, a, that's a little like a snotty, snoozy, you like a little, uh, uh, oh, ha, ha, look at me, look at how smart I am. I just deploy myself looking at you, bro. Yeah. We're going to fight it out. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I have done that. And people have looked at me and gone, uh-huh. really? I mean, you know. It's a game of toy soldiers. That's a that's an what we call an underhanded tactic of the upper class, John. <laughs> you know, and us US and Aussies, you know, we, there's You're no upper class. Brown, in us. Yeah, You're too low brown. Like, <laughs> let's just fight, bro. Let's just fight, bro. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and, uh, yeah. I mean, the Abbas Panther chariot. It's even if we were to give it the buffs, it, it is going to be good. I think with the buffs, it probably would be a little bit like speed nine, but it's. It's hard to take her over some of the other options we'll get to uh, further on because she, although she's cheaper, she's maybe not as good all round. I'd say maybe she didn't get it because she kept her crush one option, but yeah, I, 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 I would have been interested to see her at say one fifty, but get the buffs. Yeah, because like a brutal would no be reason. good as well. Wouldn't it? Just a brutal, just a switch of combat. That'd be quite nice. Yeah, I just think right mm. now there's no reason why to take. I, I would never take her in the chariot. There's, I just think that slot you're going to use for. There's a tons of tons of other stuff that I would want in, in lieu of her, and as she is right now. Just lastly, on the Abbess, one of my favorite options to take with her is also uh, Boots of the Seven Leagues, which gives a scout. Um, so you can go twenty mm. inches across the tabletop. She's on the back of a panther, and you go, okay, turn one. I'm going to hit that war engine. <laughs> Your opponent goes, oh. <laughs> Yeah, that speed ten. That speed ten on her on the Panther is just you. You can't say enough about it. What options it opens for you in game in the board stage. Chef, chef's kiss. It's and then we've got our other two combat options. Uh, who wants to take us through those? We've already talked about the high paladin, who is uh, a mighty paladin, who is speed five, melee three plus, defense five plus, five attacks, thirteen, fifteen, nerve at ninety five points. I mean, if you're going to take this guy, or we tend to be because you want to put him on a horse, which is an extra 35, because he's got a very regal horse, which is more regal than the Icon Bearer one for some reason. Uh, it does have a heal option, which... Heal 2... I mean, it's hard to justify, because uh, if he's standing still for too long and trying to heal for two, you're wasting his points. Um, he does get an Aegis Fragment, and this is one of the things that probably makes him unique out of other individuals in the same kind of area. Because he's got Iron Resolve, he's got Headstrong, and he's got the Age of Fragment, it's actually very reliable. But because he's got Crushing Strength 1, he's maybe not as good as some of the other individuals out there. I have yet to use him because the Abbess is better. What is your reckoning? I would say the same. The, the, the only reason would be for that defensive Mighty option, right? Because the Abbess doesn't have Mighty, but is effectively going to be Mighty because the Abbess is always going to do a, wo- a wound on what you're charging it into. But I guess she just doesn't have the the blocking a charge capability of just sitting in front of someone. But yeah, I'd, I'd be taking the Abbas every day. I, I think so too, you know, especially if you have sisterhood units in the army to get her fury aura. But even without that, if you're just taking it as like a, uh, a wrench in the cog of your opponent's machine, I think the Abbas just does it better. 
Now I'm curious about you guys. I've never played with the dictator, and what he does is he is has that iron discipline special rule, where unless disordered at the start of your range phase, you can select a friendly unit with the human keyword within twelve of the dictator. That unit suffers D three points of damage and gains the vicious and inspiring self rule, and you don't take any nerve checks. What what I felt with this guy, the units that I would sort of want to give that to already have vicious right like the sisterhood infantry units i guess you could give it to night horde night night horde right is that sort of what you're thinking here just stay him on foot close to the night horde and then pop a couple damage on them which doesn't really matter right because they're so deep near pools is that is that how you use this guy yeah i mean when you're talking it could be one it could be three oh no nerve 21 20 oh, sorry 22 24 unit with heal support, because don't forget, you could do this and then heal them afterwards. Um, it It's going to be very negligible in terms of its impact. Um, it, it, I think it's, again, it's one of these really good rules where what you're doing is you're going, okay, I'm going to give you an ability, but it's going to have a negative impact. And I think it really fits in with a theme of, we've already talked about it, you know, pious, that kind of self-flagellation kind of... Um, viewpoint that, that these guys would go through i mean on the kind of viewpoint is that this is something that some of the sisterhood units could have inherently to maybe they be their waiver mitigation you know take d3 damage and gain fury you know rather than having to take an abyss for it um because it really fits in with the theme and it's a it's a risky option you go well i don't have to do it but if i do it then i'm going to be able to fight this turn and <laughs> you know it, it it does. It's one of those really nice rules. I quite like that. I have used him a couple of times, and it's very interesting to use him alongside a, again a support spell. So he's just behind the army, uh, either healing. So this is the best bit about it, I suppose, is that you you get them to flagellate themselves, and then you heal them back up. It's, it's just good. yeah. We do, I didn't really mean it, guys, but yeah, you keep the vicious. Um, or you can bane chant, and it really doubles yeah. down. So we're like a horde of knights or a regiment with knights even, giving them vicious um, and bane chant at the same time can actually turn a combat. Yeah, I, I, I like. Oh, I really like that idea with the sisterhood, John. But um, for me, what keeps this guy out is not being mounted. So, um, you know, if it was mounted, I'd probably look more at it. Just run with your stubby legs. I mean... Yeah, I know, but what dictator doesn't have a mount? Do you know it, what I mean? Putin's bare back on a horse or a bear. I'd, I'd say more know. like on a chariot or something, this guy got you know, a, got you know with a lectern in front of him. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, but he is mighty, and yeah. it's actually interesting to run him a little bit further forward because his nerve and defense mean he's actually quite – it's not an easy thing to take out. So I think I'm usually slightly more aggressive with him on that respect. Like, you know, the first couple of turns he's running forward, so when you need him – He's there in the right place. All right, so let's move on. So we've we've touched on the ogre palace guard card, ogre palace guard captain, which I think it's pretty obvious why they're pretty good. And then our other two options are the ura lohi and the high paladin on dragon. I mean, there's probably not a huge need to do the big stat lines of the ura lohi, except it's dash fifteen and melee three. And as you'd imagine, it's you know it's a lohi. So, but it also has dread as well as crushing two. Uh, and the high paladin on a dragon is a dragon and has a pretty similar stat, stat line, except it's got the inbuilt headstrong. Uh, 
and a heal and fragment option. And of course, it went up to unit strength too. Uh, how are we feeling about these guys? I mean, the Urhalohi is a great choice if you don't have the points or in an elite army and don't want to take Julius. Julius uh, uh, as the more expensive sort of named Ur-Elohi at 200 points, the Urhalohi gets you a character or a scoring um, large infantry hero. Crushing Strength 2 is good. Dread is good. Fly is good. I think one of its special abilities is being on the smaller base size. It has the maybe a little bit more flexibility in getting you the Divine Fervor where you want it to be which is the combo charging with your sisterhood infantry horde or your knight horde or whatever. The Urhalohi lets you get that into place maybe a little bit easier while also delivering dread, which is nice. Uh, so if you're doing that with something that doesn't have brutal or whatever, I mean, I think it's a great choice at 200 points. Dash uh, 15, defense 5. Uh, sometimes if I have the points, I'm wanting to take Julius and I don't know if you take Julius and Urhalohi together, that's 500. Well, why don't you, why don't you tell us the difference with Julius? Okay. So, cause it's, it's pretty, yeah, I think yes. they're kind of yeah. in a similar role. So, uh, hold on one second. So Julius is 315 points. So an extra 115 points. So for that, you get dash 16, you're getting extra pip of nerve. The real big thing is it goes from defense 5 to defense 6, crushing 3 instead of crushing 2, and then you get dread, elite, very inspiring, divine fervor. So the main things you're picking up for that extra 115 points is the defense 6, the extra crushing, and the 15 to 16 which are all really nice things. So I guess if you have that extra points, Julius is not out of the question to want to pick up. And he also has Fireball 8. Whereas I guess maybe if you're wanting that sort of piece, but you don't have the points to spare, an Urhalohi is a good option to pick up. But either one of those, an Urhalohi or Julius, either one of those really is going to make your list better. I think they're both great choices. Yeah, I think as John alluded to, they can be a little bit easier to get into combats for that divine fervor rule too. It's it's I think it all comes down to points for me, doesn't yeah. it? So that's that's how I'd be picking. I mean, they're both I think for what they do, they're both boss units. I was I was originally a little bit down on the Aralohi when we went from version two to version three because they were cheaper and they had um a Thunder One as well, so they could be out really devastating on the charge. Um but I've come around to them because the Dread is really useful and they're still really good units to get in and around. Divine Fervor is really boosting them up. So there's some really good combos now with human units that you can get. We've already kind of alluded to with knights, chariots, all those kind of things. With the with the Dread, it just means that you can really kind of, you know, really push the guarantee in terms of killing units, which is so important for an alpha, alpha army. Um, everybody, all my... The guys at the local group hate Julius because he is a, a pain in the backside. This is a nice way of saying it. Um, because of his small base. Well, he's one of the only, and only one of the only flying defense six options left in the game, yeah. right? Yeah. it's it, Defense six, he's got the lower nerve, which means that you against, the, say, like the dragon, which is more of a, a kind of a close equivalent, he's going to be, uh, it, it's lesser, he's more at risk of being, got off by a lucky nerve roll, etc. But at the same time, 
uh, it's a lot easier for you to not even damage him on occasions because he's so tough and with so much heal in the in the game. Julius is just one of those guys who you can that you can rely on to do a, a good amount of damage as long as you're using him well. There's not a point and click. This is the great thing about Kings of War. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to throw Julius into the front of your unit. I'm going to win the game. You've just thrown away 300 points because you'll probably end up dying in return. But when you use him well, because of his small base size, he can get into places that uh, nobody else can fit into. And all of a sudden, you've got a dragon in somebody's flank um, or rear in, on occasions. And that, he just, he's just a menace. Yeah. And he does have elite too. Julius does. I, I don't know if I mentioned that when I was going over everything. So and it, so if you get him into the flank of something, 16 attacks on threes with elite and crushing strength three, he can pick up some pieces along oh, with yeah. that dread. Yeah. So he is a great uh, defense six, good tool to get in the, if he gets into the flank or can fly around, help you deal with higher defense. I love Julius. I think he's really great. And I think it comes down to what you said, Matt, Julius or an Urhalo, he really is a points discussion. Either one is good and you're going to get great value from either. It's just in your army design, where is that extra 115 points not just going to be an item here or an item there, but it's a real difference in your list, maybe. But I think he is a, a great value choice. But both of them are good. And and I think, like you said, John, though, it's the base size, and that means I'd never take a dragon over these Ooh, guys. Okay. You know, it's just it, – they're well, to me, they're just so much more maneuverable. Like you get that you get some super resilience from the dragon, but I'd, I think I'd take I'd take Julius every day of the week. I think over a, over a dragon. And I know there's some people who play with dragons who who do amazing. I suck with dragons, so I've just learned not to take them. <laughs> you know, for me, I never get back the points. I think now that they're on the bigger base size, like I get it, but to me, I just have gone away from dragons but i think that's more like a play i've just noticed i just don't do as well with them as some players are i mean the the high palette on a dragon is nice i mean he's got high nerve uh he's got a, a, a ranged attack you can even give him a little heal if you want but i just would assume take julius over a dragon unless i have a really cool model for my paladin on a dragon so maybe for like a hobby choice i want to take take that but i i've tended to shy away from the dragon as i've moved on as well well i mean i find that really interesting because you're um it's the base size it's obviously you really struggle with dragons because julius is a dragon isn't he in all all but name although um because he does a very similar role doesn't he so do you find you get more value out of julius just because of the base size just this yeah and i find that um his height Though, in general, you want things to be taller. I sometimes like the fact that the Urhalohi and Julius are large infantry height. So then I can, if I want to, I can protect them too by just hiding them behind yeah, something else. It's a big point, isn't it? The smaller base and the height makes them easier to protect. Whether it's behind... It also obviously means that you can't see over a hill or something. But um, I think smaller bases... Yeah, get you, get you into um, more less places. likely to get shot as well. So his his higher defense and he's a mm. he gets more cover um, and harder to shoot at. Does yeah. I hundred percent agree with that? Julius is 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 the go to. Um, unfortunately, I don't know how much experience you've got in 
and where you play, but I've seen people look to take multiple dragon style models, you know, some two, sometimes three in armies. And that's why I've seen interesting, well, not interesting, but frustrating builds, I guess, to a certain extent where they've taken, um, I've seen Basilian armies where they've taken five regiments of paladin foot troops and then squeezed in three dragons, Julius and something else. Um, and I think that's probably a way you play it, right? I think dragons become uh, difficult, more difficult to defend against when there's multiple, right? Because they, they create too many angles for you to effectively deal with. Yeah. So I definitely understand that. I just I would never play a list like that. So it is. Uh, it is. I get it. You know, a penis list. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It's just not my. It's like not my cup of tea. It's not why I came to the dance to you know to do that. It's yeah. just not for me. But it doesn't mean it could be for others. It's just not for me. Uh, th- there is one thing to go for the paladin on dragon now is if if you are taking regiments of Alohi or Anoha Alohi, for example, is that he you can give him elite, um, which actually yeah. does. Uh, it, it is an interesting combo, and you know it, he's also a good target for say the dictator or or giving vicious to so. He, an elite vicious dragon is just something nobody wants to fight against. Um, uh, but it, it, it'd be a little bit harder to combine because you tend to use your dragons in a different way. You use other units until maybe out of the way a little bit more, which makes it a little bit trickier. And and I played my dragon either with the extra iron resolve or with life leech too, you know, to make him like really survivable. Super really tanky. To kill. Yeah, yeah. You can make him, and I think that's probably the 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 difference in the uh base alien dragon versus other sort of quote dragon type models is it's probably one of the most with how you kit it out tanky dragons in the game but then all uh, you say that and then you look at julius and julius is fearless defense six so he's pretty tanky oh, he is super so, uh, i don't yeah, know yeah yeah so it's just kind of like what floats your boat yeah. you know what i mean Do you, I guess you can't buff his tankiness, though, no. can you? Like you say, it's about loadout on the dragon. And even the dragon, you can give him some extra tanky items and give him heal four. So when he's flying around getting into position, he's also healing himself since heal can now target yourself and not just other things. So, I mean, you could make him like this just unkillable board control piece. But I don't know. I just The more I go, the more I find I don't. The more points you have in individual models, it's just one bad dice variance roll away or one bad stupid mistake. I tend to kind of lean towards not wanting to have as many points in smaller things. Basically, I was already an elite army, you know, of trying to spread those points out effectively. Expensive unit strength one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, now he's two, he's right? Two. Uh, because, big, yeah. he's, he, because he's a dragon. Oh, sorry, the, dra- the dragon yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And the heel is one of those like 15-point upgrades. It's the first thing you drop and go, eh. It's either that or Sir Jesse's boots. I think I'm going to go for Sir Jesse's boots. And that's a good one, too, to make sure that when you do charge, it, you're going to get value out of that flank charge, you know, landing in the woods or whatever. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a bad choice. I just tend to, to – I think Julius is so unique. And Julius is like the special character yeah. in Lohi. I just dig it. I dig his fluff, his theme. I love having the, the ultimate angel, you know, so I just tend to go more towards Julius. But I think they're both are probably fine choices. Um, unfortunately – uh, due to his weak ankles, I don't take him very often at the moment because mm-hmm. he just falls over. That's why we need a, a, we need a plastic Elohi kit with uh, yeah, yeah, uh, bits yeah. to make Julius and Samacris. So there you go. I'd buy both. 
Well, if you don't want to pay the points for you, you do have a slightly lesser option in in Naeus, uh Salistus, who is the lion riding character. And so we've only got two unique units left, which is nice because we've already yeah. kind of touched on Tolivar and Danor. So Naos, you just you you not flying, you lose a Pippa speed down to nine, melee three, def five, crush two, headstrong, inspiring, iron resolve, and nimble, with an option of heal four for twenty points at one eighty points, seven attacks, nerve fifteen, seventeen, and then on the other side you've got Samacris, who's basically an expensive Phoenix with radiance of life and regen and crush one. As How well the as mighty have option. fallen! Oh, what do we? Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, well, Paul Collins says, "What happened? What happened to Samacris? Has she flown <laughs> off with Pasusu?" <laughs> I mean, she's still great, but it's just the Phoenix is so good. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah, we 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 went from her being better than a Phoenix to the Phoenix being better than her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of list build, so I do like that her fireball does have piercing. You know what I mean? So she does late game can give you, but now that the Phoenix also shoots, it's kind of like, uh, it's, she's a little bit harder to take now. I think the Phoenix always shot. That was the interesting thing. Mm. The Phoenix had more fireball. It had fireball, but, but non piercing fireball. It had fireball. Yeah, so it too. was equivalent. It was yeah. very close, but it was probably Samacris had picked him out. It was because she was smaller and you could hide her. Um, and it's still a value in terms. The Phoenix didn't have Radiance of Life either no. in the uh, pre um pre They did have Radiance of Life pre-changes. So they were essentially Samacris, but just bigger and weren't inspiring. That was the other thing is don't forget that she is inspiring as well. Ah, right. Um, okay. yeah. I mean, if you wanted to run double Radiance of Life in your list for some reason, you you in the in in the Abacus have decided that that's a, <laughs> uh, a, a, you want to affect your equation, you could run... Samacris along with an ancient phoenix and just spread them out so your radiance of life bubble is hitting everything um and it's not bad having a, a 40 millimeter scoring character at the end of the game either you know uh move around a little bit but still defense five she's still viable yeah, but she's tough you know she's yeah, not gonna run away da- dash 15 she, you know she can't be yeah she, she she hasn't she hasn't got worse it's just that the phoenix has got better no it's got better yeah what about Nias? Oh, I, I mean, love him. G-Man. So yeah. G-Man. He is the man. Yeah, I mean, char- so characters good. like these are the reason why you, you're not so heavily investing in individuals, aren't yeah. they? Because, like, yes. he's, he's not ridiculously expensive. Same with the Uralohi. You know, they're not outrageously expensive, but just so much more versatile. I am a huge fan of the mini dragon, whether it's Nias or the uh, 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 Impaler on a Soul Bane or whatever you want to – this sort of 175 to 215 – uh combat character nias he's speed nine seven attacks 15 17 but he's crushing two headstrong inspiring iron resolve nimble he is basically has the defense of a paladin regiment of foot yeah he does doesn't he he's 15 yeah. yeah he's 15 17 defense five iron resolve that's that's a paladin foot guards worth of, or a knight regiment's worth of defense. He is the same defense as a knight regiment, paladin foot guard, but he has seven attacks that mid game in a flank uh, uh, with crushing two. And the fact that he's nimble. And what I love him is that the fact that he's height four, you can run him behind all your height three stuff that he wants to keep up with. So whether it's your fast sisterhood stuff, your knights, he can hang out behind them, doubt, you know, nimble out and charge or just be there as like a great, I'm going to get, the, I'm going to shove Nias in front of a unit and you're going to spend the rest of the game trying to kill him. 
I don't know what you guys think, but I think he's fantastic. Well, he's also the most combo or co- comboable, which is not I was going to say, is that a verb? Is it? In, I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of list building and what you can do in game because of his keywords. So he's got Beast, so he can benefit from Furiora in the formation if you ran it with that. He's got the human keyword, so benefits from Divide and Further. And he's got Paladin, so could benefit from Elite also from the upgraded Paladin Aura. So it's got a really interesting set of keywords, probably more so than any other character in the game, actually, at the moment. Yeah, it, uh, I agree with everything you've just said. I think it goes well with Julius as well, because I think he, you know, him and Julius are a good combo. He's got the height to see over hills and where they, you know, they can attack the same unit. They fit into less space than a Night Horde. I mean, it, it's even funny. You can use him as a, as a, Phoenix protector if you are facing a lot of shooting because he can just stand in front of a phoenix and just <laughs> give them cover. cover. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just hilarious. Um, uh, so, yeah, so he is, he is just... I, I, you know what? I wasn't 100% wedded to him because I had horrible experiences in version 2 where he was part of a formation. You took knights, um, two regiments of knights and him, and the knights got elite, but he didn't. So it's like, so you did all the training. You just didn't, you know, do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you would yeah. frequently do stupid things like run into the units and fail to damage them. And I'm going, what are, what are you doing? And I think I was just burnt by that. But I came back around again and he's in, he's in most lists uh, for that reason. Um, and he's a great model as well. I think he's one of the nicer models, the, the, leaping, the leaping lion. It's quite cool. Yeah. I agree. And it's just what's cooler than a freaking paladin knight whose mount is a lion? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. that to me speaks to the the uh, the fluff and awesome flavor that this army can have. That their main paladin guys, he doesn't even ride a horse anymore. He rides a freaking lion. I mean, that's. I wonder how many times. Listen he's to the off. thing between my legs roar. <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> nothing. He's not. He's not trying to compensate for anything here. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he must. Have, must have fallen off, right? How many times has he? You know, yeah. right? Uh, gone to grab something and he, the mm. tiger's the lion's bit him. You know, I mean, is it the same lion? Does mm. he switch it between? Uh, you know, campaigns. I don't know. Yeah, true. You know? Well, sure. I think there is fluff somewhere in one of the books. There's the story about how he went and captured like that specific lion, like as part of. I think there's a story. I don't know it, but I know that there is one. I think about how he came to have that lion as his mount. Okay, so that covers all the units. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we're going to wrap up the show. We're going to talk a little bit about what builds work, what scenarios work, uh, and then we'll round out the army review. So we'll be right back. My name is Stephen Devonish. I'm the 2023 Australian Master, and you're listening to Counter Charge. And we are back. So my big question, and I think we've had some questions around from Chase Thompson, Matthew Selleck, Patrick Zorro Allen. A lot of people ask us post-2024, do you think we're going to start seeing some more builds with Base aliens, I know we've talked about it a little bit in the show, right, about what some builds might be, but I think it's unarguable the main Basilean build has been the speed. Do you think we're going to start seeing some more infantry or some more other, some more other stuff come out uh, post-2024? I think the rules are there. 
I think it's the miniatures that we're lacking. I think it's uh, uh, people have got a will. And I think it, it kind of comes back to why, why we originally chose to go the Basilian route is it's a, it is a mantic IP. You can flesh out the army or you can do what Matt does and just, you know, using a completely different miniature range. Um, but it is um, something where uh, you've kind of picked it because it's full of angels, it's knights, it's paladins, and you've kind of gone that route. Um, unless there's a reason to go towards the more of a kind of like infantry and sisterhood um, with maybe a miniature range, maybe a slight change to the men-at-arms to make them maybe a little bit more viable. I think we're. It's gonna. I'm going to struggle to see it on the tabletop, I have to admit. It's a bit of a downer, I know, but I think it's um, – you've got to think about the real-world impact, don't you? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, I think that when you look at the rules on paper – sisterhood is better sisterhood infantry is better but then i go to okay well i want two hordes of sisterhood infantry in my list okay am i going to try to track down 40 of the pvc resin new sisterhood models from vanguard or am i going to buy the old boxes of them which are not great or am i going to find a 3d printer that does something like it and i think that's the case with a lot of sisterhood stuff the panther lancers the chariots sort of the whole range of sisterhood stuff has gotten better i think the access to models because i don't think they've gotten better enough that they're so much better you don't even care you're just going to make them right i think they're better but still comparable with the same armies that everyone has. So there has to be a real reason, right, to want to play them, like you said. Or uh, uh, maybe there's a 3D printed army that works really well that I don't know or whatever. But I'm curious to see if there's going to be the... And also, two infantry armies take longer to paint. So if you're going to want to paint a Sisterhood infantry army, that's like a big time commitment too, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. And... I challenge anybody uh, after listening to this to go away and, and make it because I think you're right. There's not enough differentiation. Um, it's not that just differentiation. I think there is enough differentiation. Sorry, I'm going to go back on what I just said. But I think it's because um, you can do a Basilian army without having to use those parts and get a similar result, whether that be a case of um, you get a competitive army, you get a nice-looking army. You can do all of those things. Um, without as much effort um, and, and achieve a, a result that you're happy with. Um, but I think there is a possibility now that you could go paint up a, a couple of hordes of sisterhood, a couple of like um, arbalests, put those alongside your phoenixes, add in whatever extra you want to have in terms of uh, spice on the side of that. Um, and you can make a very good army, a very good competitive um, army. You just play very differently. So it would it would take somebody who wants to play a more of a a robust uh, defensive Basilian army rather than a, um, a fast flowing uh, maneuverable army that we see a lot. And but I think we all say this: why why do Basilians always go alpha strike? Why do they always do this? But they are very unique in that respect compared to a lot of armies that are out there. There's not you know, they have more access to nimble speed, um, good characters who do those roles than most other armies. I can't think of another army 
that kind of comes close. I mean, maybe elves, but then again, you could argue that they don't have as many options. Yeah, I can sort of picture someone, maybe if you're the type of player, and we all know them, right? We all have them in our gaming group who want to be that special snowflake. Like they want to play an army (laughs) and they don't care if someone else plays it, but they want to play their own version, right? So if you've been kind of wanting to maybe play Basalia, but you don't want to play the speed because you want to do something unique, then here, here is a, there is now a great viable path for you to play this army without playing the speed version. And you can be the person who has the sisterhood army because there's, there really isn't any of them out right now. So that is like, if that floats your boat, then there is opportunity for you to come to this and sort of, uh, uh, find virgin ground you know and be the first you know plant your flag in the in the if uh you know basilean infantry build and you never know the next next clash of kings as well the next uh, rules update maybe men at arms get a little bit better and you can do a similar thing with men at arms you can have a different play style with basilia um and i i i I'll reiterate again the basilian like uh men at arms sprues are a uh are a really good flexible kit they go together so nicely and they're so much better than the old ones um having built both types they are really they good i'd love to be, i'd love to build a, a, a you know a couple of hordes of uh say spearmen and have those in front of like a, a couple of regiments of like crossbows because it would just look really impressive it would just be whether it would be viable enough for me i'm a big fan for how they do the spear like the spear in that kit instead of have it's like a almost like a short sword on the end of the spear. The actual spear blade is very unique looking in that kit. Yes. Yeah. 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 And the shields are really quite, quite nice, aren't they? They've got yeah. this little like a uh, flamboyance at the top. Yeah. Well, awesome fellas. It's been a great episode. A really, uh, I know this faction is close to our hearts in a lot of ways. And I think clash 2024 does give you if you want to be a little bit more creative in how you find your models or what models to use my instinct tells me having played against them a few times that sisterhood maybe is not quite a hundred percent where it needs to be but i think there is viable there is viable builds within the army that are not just the speed flying it's just that you know do you want to take the time and find the models and and parse everything together. But that's my big thing moving into 2024 is are we going to see some of these other armies pop up or is the speed demon going to rule the nest for the rest of 2024? I don't know. Let's start with you, Matt. What what, what do you think? Do you think we'll start seeing some of that or you yourself, are you going to be adding some of these other units to your army? Yeah, I'm definitely going to add chariots. I, I had a crack at building an all sisters list, and I, I certainly think it can work. I still think you want a lowy in there to get some either heavier crushing, but also to pair with the divine fervor. So I, I, I still think that the faster builds are the the better builds. So I don't think we're going to see necessarily this change in style of lists. And most of the sisters stuff is quick anyway, and the chariots just got quicker. I, I think it's just about changing up probably what's in the list rather than, you know, that we'll see significant differences in, in the style of list. But, yeah, that, that that's what I think. I think I'll add them. I'll add some chariots, maybe some scouts, 
um, just just to play with an all sisters list with a cuppa or a lowy. But I don't think for people's play experience on the other side, it's still going to feel like they're playing against an alpha list. What about you, John? I know you are just like a, a proponent of the speed. Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. Do you see yourself <laughs> maybe wanting to add some stuff to your collection or maybe add to, or is there anything that for you you're wanting to add to your list from the 2024 pack update? I I think I might I might hold out on changing the way I play Basilian because as an army, I'm just going to hold out until we maybe get some nice uh, sister uh, sister miniatures to use. I still use that the Gur Panthers, etc. I don't know if I go. If, I, I think the the other problem is that sometimes I've got too many other projects on the go, so I'm still working on um, Empire of Dust, and now they've got scouting skeletons. I think I'm going to go if I want to go infantry. I'm going to go those guys. My scout teleton. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see it a, a, a gigantic shift. I think you're still going to see when you come up to the table and you're playing Basalia, you're going to see probably what you would expect to see, right? At least for the first part of 2024. I don't think the changes are enough that we're going to see that player base completely change their play style because, like you said, a lot of people maybe are playing that list in that way, not just because it's good, because that's the type of army they want to play. They want to play a fast alpha type of build. But if you do like the theme and fluff of that army, but want to play something more infantry based, I think the options are now there for you to try that out. Exactly. Well, awesome, Matt. Any any final closing thoughts? No, I don't think so. Just uh, glory, glory to Basalia and the Hegemon. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this army review. We have a bunch more coming. You know, we're still trying to get you guys reviews for stuff that we have not done in a while so i know we have some more planned for next year or for tw- now that we're in 2024 going through this year of getting all those older army reviews updated and brought up the forum also we're going to continue with our firefight coverage uh we're, we have an episode coming out soon that will be covering the new fac and we're going to have some rc members from the firefight rc coming on for that to sort of talk about that and also preview some firefight stuff that's coming out in 2024. And then our next army review for that probably will be the plague. So stay tuned for stay tuned for that. And then hope if you haven't already, please take a listen to our year in review episode. That was a lot of fun getting that done. And one of the themes in that was if you guys have any ideas for shows or want us to cover stuff, please, please let us know. And we'll be happy to do that. I thought the theme was smart goals, but yeah, anyway. Oh, it is smart. Yeah, very, very, very <laughs> smart. I love, I love me my my smart goals. But um, why don't you take us out, Matt? Until next time, keep counter charging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Counter Charge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail dot com on Twitter at countercharge fifteen or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 